This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. I'm. Let's just get into it. We have a packed show today. John, what is going on? Not much, man. Was it Groundhog's Day again? Another day in the pandemic, right? <laughs> I yeah, look so- forward to the most, not just stuff, doing stuff with my family, like getting ready for Halloween, but, you know... You, you got, your kids are ready for Halloween, man. I've seen the pictures. Man, you should. My son's going crazy. We're we're one of two houses with decorations, and the and the people across the street are are decorating their house. It's like a competition. It's like Christmas at the cranks, but the Halloween version. <laughs> they put on something. We put on two. We put up two things, and we're we're continuing to continue to add. It's been, you know, I always wanted to have a house, and now I have one. And one thing I always wanted to do was decorate for Halloween. I know I haven't Christmas. even been able to go to the crib yet. That sucks. I know, I know, man. I I know we gotta have, we'll have a big bash once this is all over. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So you, you what you said about Groundhog's Day is pretty funny because uh, Crystal and I, when we we kind of have a, a set schedule on TV that we watch because we're we're trying to. I'm not a binge watcher, so I can't sit there and watch one thing, like seven straight episodes, and then just be done with it. I I like to space it out. So we basically watch one or two shows a night, and it's a different show every night until we kind of go back to the beginning. And so we're watching Big Brother right now. I'm a big Big Brother fan. She's kind of she's she's getting into it, but she's only watched a couple seasons. And so she's like, "All right, what are we gonna watch tonight?" And she's like, "So she had a show that we were watching, and then she's like, okay, and then what?" And then I was like. Oh, Big Brother. She's like, what? Again? Like, how many times? And I was like, yeah, because Big Brother comes on three times a week. But she didn't realize, like, Thursday, because like you said, it's it's Groundhog's Day. Like, who knows what, what day of the week it is? Mm-hmm. And people are getting screwed uh, screwed um, up all over the place trying to figure it out. Um, so, okay. So, we're going to quickly get into this because we do have a lot of stuff to get into. So, just kind of preview of what we're doing. Um if you've been listening to this feed, if you've been checking out this feed and you are following the G1, you've been loving life because Justin and Carlos have had a show every day this week. So on Monday, we kind of put the two shows together with the with the WCW Saturday Night stuff. Um, and, and then Tuesday, they had a show. Wednesday, they had a show. Tonight, they will have a segment uh, for for our Friday show, so they they've been on it. They, there was four G one shows this week. I am so behind. I I, I don't know how I'm going to catch up. I, I have a, like one day off until they get back into it. <laughs> Same here. But um, but I'm I'm going to try to get through some stuff. But that you know they're they're just on it. They're on fire right now. Really loving it. If you're not a G one fan, like I said, you're not going to hurt my feelings if you skip some of this stuff because you're just not interested in it. Like that's why. You know, we talk about it a couple of different things so that, you know, maybe you'll find something that you enjoy, but you're not, you don't, don't feel indebted and pressured that you have to listen to every single thing. Just listen to what you want to listen to. If you're not a G1 fan, 
skip those shows and then you know we'll, we'll 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 do some stuff that you may be interested in so but if you are a g1 fan you're probably really digging those shows as well as chris aiken's write-ups every evening he puts up the uh, the recap of the uh, new japan show so i think we're like two-thirds of the way through so g1 i believe has um Gosh, so for so six six shows, maybe something like that. Like like it's 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 not that many left, but uh, definitely it's it's been a grind, and uh, I'm trying to catch up. But those dudes are they're, they're just on it. Now they're machines. And uh, tomorrow night, I'm gonna be on with Justin Carlos Carlos Toro, Justin Nipper, and Carlos Toro, and JD Olivier, and uh, we're gonna be talking All Japan Carnival Tournament. The oh, sweet. Finals. So. Looking forward to doing that show with those guys. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a blast. Cause you know, I I would imagine on some of the more hardcore wrestling websites, you do have some all Japan talk. But you know, even you know, we're pretty hardcore, but we rarely talk about all Japan. So it's kind of cool to have more information about another another company that you know you don't hear a lot. And you know, like you said, it's it's right smack dab in in their tournament, which gets a little bit overshadowed, you know, right now because they're. At, going at the same time for the for the G1. Yeah. Um okay, so Monday we are going to have our WCW Saturday night review, but also we're going to have a recap of the Bloodsport show. I believe Mike Gilbert is going to come on with me to kind of do uh a short segment. We won't go forever about Bloodsport. That that's an interesting show to me. It's you know, they're having the four woman tournament Moxley's on it. Um, you know, we're we're going to talk about this in a second, but uh, Cal Jack is, is on it. Someone who you uh, you know a little bit, and just the idea of that show is is so different from sort of the normal wrestling that that we generally watch. So I'm really psyched about that. It's Sunday night on Fight TV. Really good bargain too. Twenty bucks. I mean, to pay twenty bucks for a streaming show that has the 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 style that that is like i said it's really different and you know got some 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 decent star power on it if you if you've seen a blood sports show that um you know we'll talk about this uh, uh, in, in a second but you know john and i went to the first barnett blood sports show uh, live wrestlemania 35 weekend and that was uh that was a freaking blast so that kind of style i know is very much up your alley but i enjoy it too because it's just so different yeah and then that show in new york was one of my favorite shows I'd ever tend to live. I mean, just on the indie level, I guess, but it wasn't indie level because it was a lot of big time stars. You know, he hey, had Minoru Suzuki. We watched him smoke a bud yeah. right, by, right in the back with us. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> even Barnett had a really good, good fight and, you know, Harry Smith's on it. And this show, um, you know, has John Moxley on there, so he's probably the biggest star. Barnett's not fighting on it. He's got, he's got a, he, he has a fight he's coming fighting up. somewhere, right? Yeah, he's yeah in uh, KSW, right? That's what it is. Yeah. So, what but, happened to uh, Bellator? I thought he's working Bellator. I don't know, man. Who knows what Josh Barnett? He just he's, does his thing. He's a war master, he's right? A gypsy. He's a gypsy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And twenty bucks. I mean, twenty bucks for the quality of uh, competition you're gonna get. Um, and I'm excited for many reasons. Um, one is the 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 man you interviewed uh, on this show, um, Cal Jack, who I've Met and booked here in uh, Northern California for All Pro Wrestling. Um, uh, people might remember him as Cal Bishop in NXT, mm-hmm. um, but he 
you know, legit, legit collegiate background, D1 wrestler, um, six foot six, you know, like he's a beast. And I don't think anyone, and I didn't get the opportunity to really tap into the potential I really wanted to do with him. It was kind of a, you know, APW was fun to book with Marcus, but it's also a struggle because, you know, he, Co-booking is a struggle, and finding time and, and spots for guys is is tough. And yeah, you both have you both also have some differences in in what you enjoy most, and and you know some some likes too. Like you guys, uh, I'm sure agree on yeah, some oh, yeah, things, but yeah. but just, there's also hard. some differences in 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 your styles. I just couldn't I just couldn't take advantage of the potential he had as I want to. So that was always a disappointment to me. If like if this is a few years before and I had Premier still going. I definitely could have tapped into uh, Calchak's uh, potential, but I'm so excited for him being in Bloodsport. It's a great opportunity for him, the biggest opportunity of his career, minus you know his chance in WWE. But you know, beyond that, after WWE, this is his biggest opportunity, and I hope this will springboard him into bigger opportunities because um, you know he's talented, and I hope him and Josh really connect, and I hope he sits under that learning tree of Josh Barnett. I think they that would work out well for him, and. Um, I really I, I couldn't jump on the interview because I was extremely busy today, but um, I really enjoyed it. And I hope the fans, uh, listeners out there enjoy it as well. Yeah. So we put that on our YouTube channel already because I'd recorded it previous, but we will play it right after this intro. So you will you will be able to hear the interview, um, but it's also on YouTube. Like if you just don't want to skip past the interview and listen to it later, you can go to our Fight Game Media YouTube channel and he is uh, he is right smack dab uh, on the page the the newest video if you want to listen to it. Okay, so before we go to that interview and our uh, our quick break, I wanted to update folks on our G one challenge. So many of you know that we on on this website in our Facebook group we're having a predictions contest for the G one every night. You put in your picks. And you uh, and and we're keeping track. Everyone gets a point for a winner, and so you know now we're set, we're twelve nights in, and we have a little bit of a a, comp, a competition here. I'm like wait, I'm like in the middle. I, I I don't have a chance of winning, but I wasn't gonna you know take the prize anyways because this is for the group, and and the winner gets a a PWT's a fifty dollar gift card. So in these in these points, so we have David Laval. David Oakley and Parker, who also does uh, recaps for F uh, for Wrestling Observer at 4W, they're all tied up after night four, or I'm sorry, night 12 at 45. Next level down is our buddy Brady Childs and our buddy Jeremy. Uh, and the guy who won the uh, New Japan um, Cup contest, he goes by the initials S T E A. And then right below them, sitting at 42 points, they have 43 points. Sitting at 42 points is uh, Josiah and our buddy Nick Mahmood. So pretty tight in there for, for the top three slots. It's, it's one winner that, that takes all. So uh, the, the one thing that also is we have points that we're going to calculate at the end of the at the end of the whole thing because we made some predictions at the beginning of this tournament 
who was going to win the blocks and who was going to win the whole thing. And you would get five points for each of those. So this is just who wins the day to day. It doesn't mean that they're the winner. We're also going to add points at the end. And so if you, if they, you know, did a good job at predicting, then, then they have a pretty good shot at, at doing well. So that is the update with the challenge. And, you know, like I said, we're three or two thirds of the way through. So this is going to be a fun race to the end. Cause <laughs> there's like there's eight people who are within three points of each other so this thing could literally come down to the wire okay so before we get to the interview with grizzly cal jack let's talk about my favorite doordash with um so just to just to kind of let people know kind of what our day-to-day is with rest with food and stuff because you know, you know, John, better than anybody. You got three kids, you and your wife got to cook dinner every night. Like, how do you do it? How do you stay creative? How do you make sure that, you know, that, that you're not spending too much money? And what we do during the week is we subscribe to a service called HelloFresh. And HelloFresh makes meals or they put together meals and they send them to you in, in, in uh, some dry ice and and you kind of put them away and there's like two or three of those a week so we have like two or three of those meals taken care of and then crystal and i will make something you know there's for, for the kids generally monday through friday we want them to have something that's you know cooked and and, and fresh but when it comes to the weekends my friend <laughs> we are not cooking because we've been cooking all week long and that's where doordash comes in um so tomorrow, which is which is a Saturday and, and and Sunday for for both dinners, we're definitely hitting up DoorDash because it's just so quick. Like you literally jump on the app and you figure out what you want, and then like twenty to thirty minutes later, the food is sitting at your doorstep. Um, so you know, we uh, on the weekends we, we are very gratuitously using uh, DoorDash. So. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want. Food is there, left safely outside your door uh, with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. They just kind of like knock on the door just so that you know that they're there. You'll get a little alert notification in your phone letting letting uh, you know that it's also there. And they just leave it there. And they're like, okay, your food is there. You don't have to say hi. You don't even have to see us. It's We're gone. So choose from your favorite restaurants like, uh, you know, Chipotle or Wendy's, Cheesecake Factory, and then local spots as well, because all, you know, probably most of your favorite local spots are going to be on DoorDash. So right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. So $5 off, zero delivery fees on your first order and enter, just make sure you enter the code BLUEWIRE so you can get your $5 off. Okay, so let's uh, play the interview that I did with Cal Jack earlier today. It goes about 25 minutes. I think you'll be pretty interested. He talks about his time in the Performance Center at NXT. He talks about his collegiate background. Um, we talk a little bit about Japan. We talk about, you know, maybe there's a little bit of um, a bias against, uh, you know, legitimate collegiate wrestlers when it comes to wrestling. We talk a little bit about that. And it's overall, it's a, it's a good deal. He, he doesn't really, you know, he... He was like, look, I'm an open book. 
all like there's stuff of me that are that that's that's in on YouTube or on the WWE network. I can't erase any of that. Like let's just talk about it. So it was, it was good. It was a good 25. So we'll do that and we'll come back uh, with John and myself uh, after 25 minutes. Joining us is Grizzly Cal Jack, who faces Eric Hammer for Josh Barnett's Bloodsport show this Sunday, which starts at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, and is only 20 bucks, $19.99 on Fight TV, which is a great price considering how good these Bloodsport shows have been. So, uh, Cal, thanks for joining, man. What's going on? Hey, not much, just more or less. It's been a lot of preparation to get ready for this event. Uh, you know, it's just been a lot of training, a lot of talking to people, a lot of just trying to figure out what are things I need to be ready for. Not just my opponent, but just the atmosphere of blood sport and being the fact that this is my first match in almost eight months is a little exciting, but it's a little nerve wracking too. So. I'm just trying my best to make sure everything is um, everything's all up to date and I'm prepared as best as I can. So you mentioned, you know, it's been a while and, and indie wrestling uh, has definitely suffered because of the pandemic, like other businesses. But how did you get connected with uh, Josh and uh, uh, for this show? So when I first started in the indies, I've always um, I always was seeing things about blood sport and the idea of blood sport is just right up my alley because, you know, I grew up an amateur wrestler. I grew up with no, uh, ring ropes, you know, none of that. It's always been grappling, grappling, grappling my entire life since I was a five-year-old kid. So it was something that I'm like, Hey, no matter what I do in this business, I just want to do a blood sport because I just feel like it just, it fits just, it just fits me. And I saw that Bloodsport was going down WrestleMania weekend. It just, it, it didn't happen for me, which kind of bummed me out that I wasn't invited. And next thing I know with the COVID and everything, they dropped the, the whole um, wrestle, you know, the whole rest of the week got dropped. WrestleMania week got dropped for everyone in the Indies. So that meant Bloodsport dropped. And so a couple, you know, weeks, maybe a few weeks ago or whatever, uh, I noticed that Bloodsport was starting up again. I saw like a little advertisement for it. And I'm like, who do I have that is a connection with Josh Barnett? Now, I don't really know if I want to share it, but I'll share it anyway. I'll just say he's a he's a bad guy and a bit of an MMA personality. And we're friends. I knew that we'd be mutual friends with Josh Barnett. So I hit him up like, hey, man, if you can do me a favor, can you get a hold of him? Ask him to get me on the show. And he said, I'll do what I can. But it's a maybe. So through mutual friends, I was able to get aligned on the show. And to be honest, I don't. I totally. I don't think anyone deserves anything. But as far as like background and just w- with everything that I have done in my entire life, I'm probably one of the most qualified guys to be in blood sport. Absolutely, and no one can tell me any different. I know I am for sure. Well, that, that's what I was going to say, which is with your wrestling background, uh, you know, Pac-10 champion in 2011, Bloodsport definitely seems to play to your strengths as not only as an athlete, but also as a professional wrestler. 
Absolutely. And just to be fair, I was a two-time Pac-12 champ. So, and I was an All-American in college for D1, top four. Um, just, you know, when I came into WWE, I was the only Division One All-American at that time before um, Brock and Shelton came back. Or actually, Brock was already there, but yeah, Shelton came back. And then, you know, unfortunately, I got injured and I was in the Indies. I was the only Division One All-American in the independent scene, which... It's kind of like for a lot of the promoters and stuff, it's a little bit of a hard selling point because they don't know what that is. They don't really understand right. what a collegiate athlete is. So trying to explain that to them was kind of a pain in the ass. But it's like, no, you guys, I'm the only one. There is nobody else. I mean, trust, there's a few right now in developmental uh, with Denzel Dejanet and they just picked up Jacob Casper. But those are young boys that are just getting in the business. I've been doing this since... 2013 I had my tryout in 2012 so I'm definitely not I'm still some I'm very green but I'm have more experience than a lot of the other you know amateur shooter guys that are in the business so it to me it's just like you know I most qualified guy for this thing you know nobody has my background coming into this blood sport event when it comes to trying to sell yourself does I mean to to one extent, your background definitely helps you from the uh, realness perspective because you're a real athlete. But on the other hand, do you see uh, people? You, you mentioned that they don't really understand what that means, and I, I also wonder: do they sort of put you in a bucket of like, oh, serious athlete has to only you know be this way, probably not too colorful? Do you kind of get stereotyped in that way as well? Well, what's really funny is I think a lot of guys aren't sure if I can work with them because of that. And it's totally the opposite. I'm like, man, I'm down to do anything. I'm totally willing to just go out there and just feel free to just move, work with them, just do whatever they feel. As long as it, it makes sense and it's not too over the top, you know, I, I never, I'm always down to kind of feel free to do what the outcome is as long as it's not hurting me and my character and just not really hurting, you know, a whole lot. There's been times where maybe I'm a little too lenient, but it hasn't really held me back too much. It's just, I would, it's tough to say because NorCal is, it's tough to hear NorCal because they, there's a lot of shows that run. A lot of shows run the same time. And it, it's definitely like you have to know somebody to get in. It's a very, I wouldn't say clicky, but it's definitely, it's about it's like who you know and how long you've been working in the area. And which is cool and all, but like, man, I'm, I'm really just trying to branch out as fast as possible, you know? So uh, it really, to me, it hasn't affected me too much, but I would, I, it's one of those things where I'm looking at blood sport and I'm like, this is what I want to do because it fits exactly my style and I don't have to kind of cater to some promotion because, Oh, this guy's a shooter, but is he going to be able to work with this guy and this guy, you know? So, sure. You know, it, it's just, it's kind of like, I'm, I'm kind of between a rock and a hard place when it comes to that type of thing. But personally, I, it shouldn't affect anything. It's not like I'm saying, Hey, I'm, I can legit beat everybody's ass. You need to give me all the titles. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not all about that. No, it, cause if you give me a title, that means I have to come back come back come back and back. I just want to do a couple matches, do my thing. You know, sh that that's all it is. It's not like I'm trying to be 
the main guy by any means. So. What what do you know about your opponent for Sunday? Well, I mean, Eric Hammer is from what I've from what I've gathered, he's he's been around. Eh, he, he he does on again off again stuff. He's done stuff in Japan. He's a world champion catch wrestler. Wherever that means, no idea. Uh, I know what catch wrestling is, but I've never heard of a catch wrestling world champ. At least you know, put me in there. I would love to do catch wrestling. <laughs> um, but he's a big physical guy and he's a trainer and he's no pushover. I mean, last year, him and uh, JR Kratos took on each other and Kratos is a big physical strong guy. Mm-hmm. So he was able to beat Kratos. So he's a he's good, he's definitely good. And I'm looking forward to going against him because he's also, he's Barnett's right hand man from what I've heard. And he's he's been around and he's done plenty of MMA grappling. He's very physical like i said earlier and he's an intimidating guy but i've wrestled intimidating big scary guys my entire life so it's nothing new to me i mean i've gone against some of the baddest dudes on the planet so this is just another opportunity to be like hey i'm, I'm a competitor i'm willing to compete against anyone this, it doesn't matter who or what they are and and i'm sure eric probably feels the same way especially if he works out with barnett all the time so nationally uh, most people probably remember you as Cal Bishop when you were on NX uh, uh, on that Breaking Ground uh, WWE Network show, coming back from injury, and it's been uh, a little while since you were on that show. Um, so, what was it like? And and also, like, how did that experience in that system kind of shape your career moving forward? You know, if I had to be really honest, it didn't help me at all. And being in developmental helped, like learning how to work, learning what it is, and how to how to kind of figure out how to be a pro wrestler or I guess sports entertainer. But when you do breaking ground and they really just close the book on you like that, it kind of doesn't leave you any room for movement. They just assume, oh, this guy's injury prone. He gets hurt all right. the time. You know, so to me, it just, it really left a really nasty taste in my mouth. And it's just like, really, that's how you guys are going to do me after like trying to bust my ass to get healthy. When you guys are the ones that let me come back early, I didn't want to come back early. You guys let me come back early and I get hurt again. And it's just frustrating because I I, I tweeted this out earlier um, about Jacob Casper getting signed. He, you know, amateur wrestlers and developmental, they can do good. They work hard. They're probably the hardest workers there. But the problem is a lot of them are a little too eager because they want to get in the ring. They want to learn. But the problem is there's a big difference between doing all your ground-based attacks, between jumping off the rope, catching somebody who falls on top of you, um, doing rolls a zillion million times as you're hitting the rope, trying to keep up with your workout partner. Because as a lot of people know we're, we're competitors, we're natural competitors, so we're gonna try to outdo the, the other guy. And that's how injuries happen. And with breaking ground and all that, I think it was a cool experience, but I just didn't like the outcome of it. Mm-hmm. And it, it didn't represent who I really am. Uh, I just, you know, it, it just, it just didn't feel, the way it came out, it just, it really bummed me out and, you know, threw me in a big depression for a long time because it's like, you guys don't really know how good I could be. And at that time with developmental, they were really, the performance center was in a, in, 
its infancy at that time. So they were just learning what to do. I mean, you the coaches were interchanging all the time. They weren't they they were relying on all these big indie darling names, which is the smart thing to do because those guys actually know how to work, they know how to perform, they know how to do everything. So them relying on them and them claiming they were all PC guys, it's like, nah, it's, that's not true. They're not PC guys. These guys developed on their own. You're right. claiming them like they came out of the factory, which is not true. So as a guy who's, you know, for, here's a good example. You look at the one person that I could say that um, who came from the performance center from the very beginning to the end is like Angelo Dawkins. And mm-hmm. Angela and I started relatively the same time. He came in September of 2012. I came in February 2013. So he was there for six years before he even got called up to the main roster, which is just insane. That's a long time to be in developmental. And that's a guy who, who started from the very bottom of the PC and worked his way up. So I just feel like it just didn't represent me very well because the performance center was just starting out. You know, we had interchanging with the head coaches and you know, it, it it just, it it was a tough time. You know, I actually enjoyed my time in Tampa more because everybody was so set and comfortable in Tampa before we went over to Orlando. Orlando was cool. Don't get me wrong. I mean, seven rings, a crash pad ring, your own weight room. Uh, an audio room, a room you can cut promos and video. I mean, they have everything, but it just it just wasn't exactly all set. And I just that's kind of how I feel about it. So um, there have been I don't know if it's a lot of injuries or if that's a normal amount of injuries coming out of that system. But what did you think about the training? um the style of training that that you do because I've heard in other instances where because of some of the training they feel like you know that 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 caused some of the injuries but I don't know if you thought that same way I think and this is where like I go back to saying that like in the, it was in its infant stage there was mm-hmm. like a, there was a series of shoulder injuries that all the guys were getting me uh, Sami Zayn Hidomi Atami or you know Kenta uh, Cesaro, I, Cesaro didn't even train there, but he was getting shoulder injuries. A lot of guys are just getting repeat shoulder injuries. Um, Finn Balor. So I feel like it wasn't, I don't want to say it was the training, but I just think everyone was just so eager to please because we're all going to full sell. You have all these writers, creative guys that are trying to pump everyone up, trying to, you know, do your best to build this brand and everyone is just excited to work. And the problem is you can be either, you can be a little too eager and throw caution out the window because you want to outdo everybody. You want to have, and not me in particular, cause I, I didn't ever get a chance to really perform on uh, NXT, but like Sami Zayn and, and Kenta and all those guys. So, I mean, it just sucked because they're, they were doing their damnedest and then they all get these crap injuries and then it's like, well, is it the training? I don't think it was so much the training. I just think guys are just too willing to please. 
and they were too willing to you know put themselves out there and that's how injuries happen you know it's the the old saying is work smarter not harder and i think a lot of guys are just working way too hard especially we do a show um we do a show i think it was like thursday and then Friday we do a live event, Saturday we do a live event, and then we come back the next following week and it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then top with training Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we have promo class. We have, it's just, it was a lot, I would say, for the guys that are more experienced. And the, the coaches were really big on just kayfabing everyone about when, who's gonna be on the card, how, how are they gonna, you know, who, who's gonna work, who's not gonna work, and you could, and this is, I don't know what it's like now. It's been, I'm four years removed officially to, I think actually uh, tomorrow's gonna be my four year anniversary of leaving the performance center. So um, I have no idea what it's like now. I mean, four years is a long time. I'm sure it's changed quite a bit. So, and that was just the early stages. I can't say what it is right now, how it, how those guys are. I don't really have any friends in the performance center right now. All my, all my buddies are on the main roster. So it's, I have no idea, but I feel like there's an eagerness to please. And a lot of people that come in there with no experience whatsoever might be throwing caution to the wind just to try to turn some heads, which is not the right thing to do. So I've personally, I've seen you here locally. And when I say locally, I'm talking about the Bay Area for APW. My, uh, my podcast partner, who couldn't be with us for this interview, but he'll be on uh, the show that this interview will play on, John LaRocca, who you know very well. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he's the one who told me, he's like, you know, this is the guy you got to pay attention to. He's the real deal. Uh, so that's, you know, that's kind of how I became aware of you. Um, but with the pandemic... Uh, and like I mentioned, you know, most of indie wrestling right now being put on hold, you know, you mentioned, you know, it's been eight months. Like, how have you been kind of like staying in shape and staying active and staying on people's radar? I imagine it's, it's, it's pretty hard to do so in a pandemic. It's interesting because social media now is more important than it was when we were, when things were active and things were normal. Uh, you have to stay up to date on everything, but you don't want to promote too much where people are like, Hey, it's getting stale or you don't want to under promote where people are going to forget you. Um, the main thing is just, like you said, staying active, you know, working out if you can, everybody was getting to the whole home gym craze. And for me, I, I think what they said was keep your distance, go outside if you can work out if you can find a gym weights and man it has not been easy i think mental health has suffered more than anything and it's just tough for all the guys here in the bay area because it's just we don't have there's not too many people that get the opportunity to break out and when the ones that do break out make the loudest noise so it's just it's tough for everyone you know and i can see some of the guys going crazy i can see some of the guys that are like making the most of the of the experience so me i just i was kind of stuck in the middle on like well what do i do next you know because i not only do i do pro wrestling by substitute teach and i can't teach kids with covid and the way it works with substitute teaching is you're replacing the teacher since they're not right. there and the fact that everything's on zoom and all the kids have to learn through zoom that made it hard for me to do anything so 
a lot of it's like, well, what's next for me? You know, what can I do? So it's just trying to find time to stay active, try to learn a new skill, not try to fall into depression because that is the easiest thing. And I'll I'll admit, man, I fell into depression a lot during this um, COVID lockdown. But I mean, it's, it's just tough, you know, and eventually when gyms started opening up and opportunities were coming, it's like, it, there was a little bit of excitement back, you know, it's like, Oh, this yeah. is what I've been missing. This is, this is why I love pro wrestling to, it gives me that, you know, it gives me that little bit of enjoyment in life. And I'll definitely say that I am so damn glad that I got put on this blood sport show because I was going crazy. And obviously there's some stuff going down in SoCal and there's shows starting up in Las Vegas. And that's, that's where I'm moving to after, um, um, blood sport is I'm, I'm moving to Las Vegas because it's just, for me, it, it just makes, it's just easier living and the Bay area is so damn expensive. And I don't know when things are going to open up here in NorCal. It's just, it's just too hard to guess. So unfortunately I got to leave the Bay area, but it's, it's a bitter sweet experience because I actually really like Las Vegas as well. So I look at your size and your background and your style and I, um, you know, I immediately think like the, one of the first questions that I thought about when I, when I knew that, that we were going to hook up for this was, I wonder if he's thought about Japan. I'm assuming that you've thought about it because, you know, that is another place for, for, for business. But like, what are your thoughts on working in Japan? I would absolutely love it. And it's just the thing is it's like how do you get your foot in the door in japan and i give props to somebody like carl fredericks because carl really took a a bet on himself by going to the la dojo and training there and was able to win the young lions cup go to japan like that really especially you know what's the right age to do that you know i wasn't sure i'm like man maybe i'm too old to do something like that because I'm, I'm going to be 32 after October uh, 12th or on October 12th. So it, I give a lot of props to Carl. He made it through and he has, you know, he, he's set in, in everything he's doing. So, but to me, it's like I've been doing NXT. I've been a shooter for since I was five years old. Um, I have a similar style to like Dr. Death and Gary Albright. So I feel like, man, Japan would just be perfect for me. You know, they don't have, I mean, the last really, really big guy they had was, um, geez, I forget his name, but he's in AEW right now. Lance Archer. Yeah. Lance Archer. You know, that's who I immediately thought about. Yeah. I was actually talking to John before and I was like, you know, they lost Lance Archer and you're literally like the same size as Lance Archer. Yeah. Pretty close. So that would be a, a perfect little trade out there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, right now their big strong guy is, is our, is our Jeff Cobb, you know? So, right. I would, and I, I've had a few matches with Jeff, a couple actually. So to me, it would be awesome to go to Japan and, and do that style. And I would totally be down. Just, I'm just waiting for the right opportunity to arrive and it would be so much fun. I, that's definitely one thing I'm, I'm looking forward to. And who knows with Bloodsport coming up and the connections that Barnett has, if I do really, really well, you could turn some heads, which is the goal, who knows? So I would totally love to do 
Japan and, and work for whatever company in Japan. Um, I had a, one of my buddies who I used to train with in developmental has been doing great in Japan and that's Juice Robinson. Mm-hmm. So he's been doing awesome and that would be someone that like I would be able to get along with going over there. So I would 100% love to do Japan. Well, uh, you know, I, I wish you good luck. I always like to look out for the folks who are out here in the Bay Area or who have wrestled, you know, in Northern California, because it's kind of cool to see to see Jeff in New Japan. And then you see, like you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Carl. And then now you see Will Hobbs in AEW. So it's really cool to see people come from an area that that you've been able to kind of watch for the last few years and kind of expand out, you know, Jungle Boy as well. So, you know, we're we're, going to keep our eye on you and and wish you the best. Before uh, before we get out of here, though, is there anything you want to promote your Twitter or anything else you're doing, social media, uh, you know, that, that, that you want to put out there? Um, I'll say uh, for Twitter, you can follow me at Cal underscore Jack, spelled K-L underscore J-A-K. I had an Instagram, but to be honest, I just got kind of bored of it and I deleted it. Um, that's, yeah, just follow me there. And as far as like upcoming stuff, it's just Bloodsport right now. Um, I'm going to try to do more with whatever is available. If Bloodsport opens some more doors, great, it should. I don't see why it wouldn't. There's not a lot of guys there that fit my background, like legitimacy. So yeah, it, it should be a fun, exciting event. And you know, hopefully if people follow me on Twitter, there'll be more to come. That's, that's I'll just say that. <laughs> All right, so uh, Grizzly Caljack faces Eric Hammer this Sunday for Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, which you can watch on Fight TV streaming at uh, 5 p.m. Pacific. 8 p.m. Eastern. Thanks a lot for doing this. Really appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me. All right, so we are back, and really good luck to uh, to Cal Grizzly Cal uh, for Bloodsport in a couple of days. Um, should be a, a, a real a real fun show. You can sort of tell just how he was talking about that show, how he really feels like this is kind of like down his alley. Like this is the kind of wrestling that he's going to excel at. Oh, definitely. I, I think he'll do a great job. And he has a his fight was Eric Hammer, who's a longtime veteran of the shoot style game. Uh, worked for Inoki's uh, I. IGF promotion in Japan. And yeah, what was what's the shoot fighting champion like? How does like what what is well, the catch wrestling a, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. The catch wrestling. I think there was a tournament for the catch wrestling tournament. I think he won it. I think that's uh, that's uh, you know it's a grappling tournament, right? Sure, so, sure. So um, a great style. I know Cal Jack. You know, threw some shade at the catch wrestling, which uh, <laughs> got my my. My blood boiling a little bit, so I hope he uh, is able to back it up with his uh, yeah. fight with uh, the hammer, because uh, you know. Uh, and I got a little a little heat with Eric Hammer too, for he took out my boy Jr. Kratos the last sport event. I so, know. So uh, for for Jr. Kratos and the NorCal indie scene, or and just for myself, I'm hoping Cal Jack gets takes home the victory. It's gonna be a tough one though for him, but. I just hope at the end of the day, though, we turn some heads and he's able to continue to springboard springboard his young pressing career. All right, so we actually gave away a code a blood a code for the Bloodsport pay per view um, on the fight uh, the Facebook group, and um, 
you know, we just I just basically said, hey, who, who wants this? Just let me know and we'll, we'll pick randomly. And if you want to give thanks to somebody for this opportunity, thank Doohan, who was with me on the Rocky podcast over the summer. I wanted to, you know, give Doohan a little bit of money. Like, dude, like you, you were clutch. You did all of these shows with me. It was fantastic. And, you know, you should get something for this. He's like, nope not taking anything, give it to the group, buy something for the group, and it's on me. So if you want to thank Doohan, uh, you know, give him a shout out in our Facebook group. And, you know, if you really like we do cool stuff like this all the time. So you should definitely join the Fight Game Podcast Facebook group. We have so many conversations going on. And then we, you know, we can do fun stuff like this. And including our upcoming book club chats with Brian Alvarez as our October book for the book club is the uh, anniversary edition of Death of WCW. We're going to get Brian on a Zoom moderated chat where I will sort of host the chat and, and he'll answer questions about that book. We'll record that as a podcast. And then for November is Big Dave Meltzer's 1997 yearbook, which he just released and supposedly is doing really well. Like I think he, he said that he's already thinking about book two and he's thinking about uh, what did he say? Did he say 2001 would be next? Uh, I, th- I think that's what he said. Uh, not official, but he was like telling me what he thought maybe that they would do next. So, and then he's going to do a Zoom chat with us as well for the for the people who are in the book club. And we'll do a Q&A with him uh, sometime after November. So if you want to do stuff like that, come join the group. We're doing stuff like that constantly. So the winner of our randomized sort of giveaway is somebody who we both know, Carla Duran. So she oh. she wins the free uh, Bloodsport uh, pay-per-view code. So Carla, who is a combat sports, like she just eats and breathes it, and her pops is Stitch Duran, you know, the mo- probably the most famous uh, cut person ever in, in, in uh, sports. So she wins. Congratulations to Carla. I will send you the code. Uh, sometime uh, on uh, in the next the next day or so. So again, you know, if you want to go and watch the Bloodsport show, it's on Fight TV. It's twenty bucks. I already ordered it myself, so you know, I didn't have to worry about doing that on Sunday, five p.m. Pacific, eight p.m. Eastern. Okay, one more quick break. We're going to talk about our good buddies at Bet Online, and then uh, after that, we will send it to Justin and Carlos for night twelve of their G1 cast. Then John and I will come back and we'll do our NXT and AEW reviews. All right, so the NBA is possibly going to be done later today. If you've enjoyed betting on the NBA, if you enjoyed betting on the games, the playoffs, the finals, you have one more shot, possibly, unless the Miami Heat kind of come back and upset the Lakers here and send it to a sixth game. But if you're going to do that, do it at Bet Online. You know, Bet Online has been a major sponsor for us for the entire year, I believe. And, um, you know, they, they have all of the spreads, all of the totals. You can do team and player and coaching props. And basically, you get, you know, more wagers than, uh, or more options to wager than, than most other websites. And, uh, you can get in on their season opening bonuses today. Obviously, there's still going to be NFL. There's still going to be Major League Baseball playoffs. 
So check it out. Go to Bet Online today. Take advantage of all the great bonuses, and don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all in one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Yo, thanks, Garrett. Hey, it's Justin, back one more day. You're listening to the G1 Cast presented by FightGameMedia.com here with daily, yes, daily coverage of New Japan's G1 Climax 30. Again, thank you, Garrett. Day 12 is down. Okayama show is finished. We're deep into the G1. We're in the thick of it, of everything. And so let's talk about some B-block action quickly. Let me run down some results. Gabriel Kidd defeated Yuya Uemura. Hiroki Goto defeated Yoshihashi last night. In A-block action, the first match of that, Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Toriano in a very fun match. Sanada defeated Kenta. Tetsuya Naito defeated Juice Robinson in a match that went about 25 minutes. Hooey. Evil defeated Dick Togo. No, he didn't defeat Dick Togo. He was with Dick Togo. That's what my notes said. <sighs> Evil with Dick Togo defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi. And that's pretty much all I got for you. We're going to jump to the show real quick. But before that, Carlos is on Twitter. Carlos Toro 360 and Carlos Toro Media Channel on YouTube. I'm at Justin M. Nipper on Twitter. And if you haven't already, please go and check out. And if you can donate to the Jim Valley fundraiser that we talked about earlier this week, you can find info on that in our show notes. Without further ado, let's get to the show. Day 12. We did it again. Day 12. Carlos, how you feeling? Two thirds of the way there, my man. We are we're almost there. We're, we're getting into the nitty gritty and we can now start playing like uh, baseball math, you know, probabilities on like who's going to advance. What are the chances? So and so happens. I'm actually really excited for this portion of the G1. Yeah. And uh, later on in this podcast, we're going to have a little money ball section of the show <laughs> where we're going to break it down. We'll, we'll get to that later. We'll, we'll explain. Don't worry. But today's show started with quote unquote C block. Another one. Kid picked up the win over Yuya Uemura in I, in a good match, a really good match. But again, Carlos, I don't know what else to say other than it's really good. It's consistently great. Is there anything that I'm missing? No, I mean, I guess the, the matches are now starting to get into their usual seven, eight minute pace where these guys uh, don't start out as slow as some of the 15 minute matches that we've had in the last couple of days. But it was it was it was solid solid stuff. Gabriel Kidd was being his usual fiery self, where he was going for a lot of strikes. Uh, real interesting part was late in the match where Yuyo Mora had Gabriel Kidd in a Boston Crab, and as we've seen throughout the G one, that has literally been Gabriel Kidd's kryptonite is the not just the Boston Crab, but whenever a wrestler tries to do a more impressive or a more painful version of the Boston Crab, whether it be just like really like cinching that thing in or going for a line tamer. But Kid was able to get back, uh, get out of the 
Boston Crab and go for the, I guess, uh, the double arm suplex. What was it? The butterfly suplex that you called it? Yep. Butterfly suplex. I think it was. I I think I, it always reminds me of Billy Robinson. When I see the butterfly suplex, a double underhook suplex, that's like a, a nod to the Lancashire style, Billy Robinson and kids last night i noticed had a little extra delay on it a little hang time looked great but again it's just a simple move and you're not going to see too many flashy things like you would in a will osprey kota ibushi match you're going to see a good good old power slam and hip toss but for some reason every time these matches work in spades it's awesome okay and then the so by the way we're, we're in okoyama today okoyama in this it's like a rec center and some of these shows are in you know, public uh, recreation centers, like a swimming pool. There's like with the martial arts tournaments there. So the lighting is so different compared to the past couple of shows. Carlos, did, like, does that, for me, that kind of like throws me a little bit. Like the last couple of shows, as far as the look goes, it looks really cool. Everything's blacked out. There's a cool entranceway. But today at some of the shows, like in Okayama, there's, you know, it's like the basketball, high school basketball gym. Does that like, change how you view these shows or does it change the intensity or vibe i would say a little bit in the intensity a little bit because i don't know for some reason and i could be totally off maybe the only one in the world that thinks that but like every time i kind of think of these types of settings it it reminds me of like all right we're like in november and like december and we're like world tag league we're like we're you know we're technically in matches that matter but like no not many people care because it's like it's world tag league season we're just really just want to get to wrestle kingdom we're like i don't know if you noticed but like a lot of these world tag league matches do take place in in places like like okiyama so it just i don't know to me it just feels like a different setting not a bad setting but like i do kind of prefer like the bigger darkened arena aspect yeah, that's right. It's a good point. Like the the secondary tournaments, they always end up in the uh, slightly more rural, slightly more high school uh, basketball gym looking venues, really weird sound, bright as hell. And oftentimes we are, you know, it, it, in the U.S. at least we're watching it and it's pretty dark out still. So the TV just goes bang and it's just bright white. And for that bright white a block first match we had Hiroki Goto defeat Yoshihashi. Okay, I ha- so with this match, I had I was irritable after this match because I just wanted Yoshihashi to just get his damn win. I wanted him to win. And in this match, okay, Carlos, you go first because I wanted to see what you think of this match. It's it could go a couple ways. So the way I looked at this match is that it's a microcosm of this entire G1 for Yoshihashi. Like Yoshihashi has literally, he's not been a spoiler. He has not been a guy that, you know, is someone expected to pick up wins against like a, a, a Naito or a Tanahashi or anything like that. But the purpose of this G1 to me, it's just let's elevate Yoshihashi. Let's legitimize him in a way where he doesn't come off as a joke. So we're going to give him competitive matches against virtually everyone. He gave Naito a competitive 20 minute match and he's giving like everyone like a good 15, 18 minutes. And he's looked good. Like he's the thing we've always talked about is that Yoshihashi has 
look like a serviceable mid-card babyface, which is kind of what he is. And at this point, it's really not so much about wins and losses, just how he continues to evolve as a as a singles guy, which is weird saying considering he is he's holding a six-man tag team title. And and this one is, there's a little bit more of a of a cockiness to Yoshihashi. Like early on the match, Yoshihashi would just daring Goto to just attack him. Even like slapping him in front of the face and just Goto as stoic as ever just starts beating the living hell out of him. But, you know, this was, I would not say this was the best Yoshihashi match of this G1, not even the second best, but it it was all right. So what I noticed, that cockiness that you mentioned, or I thought he was getting a little primal at times, Yoshihashi. Did you hear him kind of, he had that, that primal yell, that primal scream with some of those those chops and elbows, but like he doesn't have the voice for it. So it's not that cool. Like Shingo Takagi or Tanahashi, it's more like cracked. So he was like, ah, ah, I was like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Give it to us. Yoshihashi. Let's show your fire. So that was cool. But on the other hand, I'm watching this match and Yoshihashi got a lot of offense and there was a good portion of it where he had Goto on the ropes with the butterfly lock. He was really working him over. And I'm thinking in my head, didn't I just see this guy, Goto, this fool, beat Yano in 18 seconds? And now he's getting worked over by Yoshihashi in a butterfly lock? What's going on? In a not a long match, but in a so it's kind of like great for Yoshihashi, but I don't know how I view Goto. I mean, he won and it was good and all, but I don't know. It's not one of those matches where both guys felt like they were elevated. I felt like Yoshihashi was more elevated and Goto was, uh, he's there. I I think we're starting to kind of see Goto enter that like gatekeeper status where, you know, if you can beat Goto, you know, and you're good, uh, you're, you're good on the car, but if you can't beat Goto, then you're just a lower end type of guy. That's kind of how I'm looking Goto throughout this G1 that is now transitioning into the like gatekeeper status. I like that. I didn't think about it like that. I like thinking I'm going to view it like that from now and see if my my thoughts change anymore on him. It's an interesting character. I feel like it's like he has all the tools to be one of the guys, but he's not. And I wonder if it's him or is it the booking or what? Don't know. Well, I I mean, they've we'll tried. See. They've tried in the past. With you know, he got a series may have been pushed a long time ago, and it just didn't really pan out that much. Yeah, I'm sure we could probably do an entire show just trying to figure out why the hell Hiroki Goto is where he's at right now. Like I thought the L.A. Dojo kind of rebranding last year was pretty cool, but I I don't feel like there was any follow through. I don't know. We'll see. Who knows? But that was the first A block match last night. And the second one we had who we just mentioned, Toriano, he lost to Zack Sabre Jr. in one of, I think maybe Yano's, was it Yano's and Zack Sabre Jr.'s longest match of the tournament? Uh, I'm fairly certain this was not Sabre's. Not Zach's, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think this was Zach's longest match, not by a long shot, but this is definitely Yano's longest match. Like, all of his yes. matches have been like five, six minutes, except for the Goto match, which was like 18 seconds. Um, did I not tell you that these guys are going to give us a wrestling uh, clinic. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of was there right. for like four or five minutes, but they gave it to us. 
That's right. I was thinking about that. I was watching it live last night and then suddenly right at the top, like you said on yesterday's show, we're going to see some serious Turianu. He's going to tear it up on the mat. We saw his Dan the Beast Severn style belly to belly suplex where he launched Zack Sabre Jr. in which legitimately looked awesome. He, he got on all fours and he's like, come on, come on, like let's start from position. Like, let's do amateur wrestling. It was part of it. You could say it's a great match. And then there's another part where it's great, like meta commentary on wrestling and a wrestling match as well. Yeah. I mean, the, it, it actually had a, like a nice little story because like they did do the mat wrestling stuff, but it was like, it felt to me like Yano wanted to actually have a serious wrestling match but he just can't help himself just get back into the hokiness uh, of his character that we've seen. That's like he, he started the match by throwing like four rolls of tape just to show, hey, I'm no, no shenanigans here. And then right when Yano was, you know, was on all fours, actually, no, my mistake. So when Zach was on all fours, he Yano was close to just doing the same thing and trying to do some mat wrestling. And then he just reverts back to being back to old comedy Yano and just trying to take out the turnbuckle padding there's a really cool moment in the match where saber kind of tried to do what yano did and take him out onto the entrance and had and there was a really cool spot where he had him in an ankle lock and just dragged him all across the outside almost to the entrance and then saber booked it to the ring to try to get a win by count and i thought that was like really a really really good callback to what yano was doing in the first three matches uh, of the G1, which he won. Now, one thing I find intriguing is that Yano felt that he needed to stuff his tights with five or six rolls of athletic tape to then walk to the ring and get into the ring and then pull them out just so that he can show Zach that he's going to be a fair player. And I think, you know, if you wanted to break it down, like, let's really break that down. If you really wanted to show somebody that you are a fair player, wouldn't you just go to the ring without any athletic tape for, you know, nonsense in theory? And so the logic, you know, it kind of dissolves and goes away by the time um, Yano later in the match pulls out another roll of athletic tape. And I think that was, I don't know if this was before or after the mad dash to back from outside to the ring, but it was when he wrapped Zach's ankle to a chair and kind of locked him to the guardrail. I think that yeah. might've been a little later. Yeah. It was after the, the, the mad dash where Yano beat the count at 19. Yeah. Okay. So then a little later into the match, Yano, I, I guess trapped him or, or caged him like a, like an animal from his ankle and, his uh and his boots to the the outside guardrails with he tied it with a chair and athletic tape and he zach made it out zach made it into the ring with the tape and what is it uh the chair attached to him still yeah that, that was there were some funny. great visuals and great yes. sequences in this match like i mean technically it is a comedy match but there were some really really good like imagery and sequences throughout this match. You know what? I'd, I'd actually give this match a, a go ahead and watch it if you can. I, I'm going to second that too, because, and I'm going to say, I mean, you're going to get top notch 
Toriano. Like that's for sure. If you like Toriano, you're going to be watching this anyway, but this is going to be some top stuff, top shelf Yano stuff. But for Zach, Zach was not only a really, you know, clever, talented watch, but he was really funny in this too. His reactions were hilarious and they were cracking me up. He was really yelling at the referee. I think at one point he said, use your eyes referee. When, um, Yano was doing something like pulling the term buckle post off of the, off of the post. And it's worth watching because it's a little bit of both. You get a little comedy, you get some really surprisingly great wrestling from Toriano, but it's not too long. Yeah. It was, it was a good, mm, it was like appetizer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would say so. And yeah, I think what also really helped was that Saber, out of all the guys Yano's face in this G1, Saber was the one who was most willing to play ball with Yano throughout the entire match. Actually, yeah. Actually, I think that, and that's why the match turned out the way it did, because Zach was really, he's he's in that moment. He's reacting to every little thing that happens. He's reacting. He's reacting like I feel like most people really would in that if they were put in a real situation, like if that situation were in fact real, most people would just freak out on the referee for not helping and argue with Toriano saying, uh, why are you trying to give me a T-shirt? Whatever else he was going on about. It was all funny, but it was all relevant in the context of the match. So. Yeah, check this one out. This one's interesting, and it stands alone from any of the other matches in the tournament so far. I wouldn't say it's the greatest match of all, but <laughs> it's worth watching. Okay, next, so there was a break, and then we came back with the battle of the stylized capital letter name. Sanada defeated Kenta in a really cool match. And I don't know about you, I think I'm kind of crazy but Carlos, did they kind of look like they could be a tag team when they were standing in the ring together? Because they kind of had the same hair. They both yeah. tied their hair kind of gray and they both had a black and gray vibe. And the one guy had long tights and the other shirt. they look like a tag team, right? Am I crazy? Yeah, they, no, you're not. They, they, I don't, they, I don't want to say they look similar, but they look like they do belong together. And the wrestling was really, really good. Like this is the second shortest match on the show. But it, but as far as like, we want to talk about like pound for pound, no, like second for second. This was about as good a match as any other match on this show. There was, it was a lot of great mat wrestling, a lot of great technical back and forth between these two guys. I was not necessarily concerned, but I was a little curious to see how these two styles would clash between Sanada and Kenta. But there were some really, really good sequences. The finish to this match was actually pretty clever. So Sanada tried to go for... So Sanada actually... Kenta had the briefcase, and Sanada drop-kicked the briefcase into Kenta's face. And in the briefcase, the the one that Kenta wanted to become the number one contender to the IWGP U.S. heavyweight title. So the briefcase just kind of flies away. And Sonata goes for a moonsault, that moonsault that got the win over Naito. And Kenata, uh, Kenta got his knees up, and he they both kind of trade quick cradle small packages. So Sonata then goes and reverses like a cradle into like an O'Connor roll and then gets like a surprise pinfall, which 
like it, it technically is a surprise slash like flash pinfall, but it was like a really, really good sequence that part of it kind of left you wanting for a little bit more. And part of it felt like, okay, this is like a nice way to wrap up this match. I, I second all of that, but that O'Connor role, I think Sonata, he's gotten quite a few wins over the past couple of years in singles matches with, um, with a move like that, especially when he's wrestling more technical wrestlers like Zack Sabre Jr. I feel like he's gotten away. He's come away with those like not upset wins, but uh, sudden wins out of nowhere. I, I, I like the pace of the match too. Kent is great to have in this tournament because he's a great foil for technical flashy wrestlers and he can do his thing and not lose any steam or uh, his character doesn't, uh, nothing really happens to his character. Actually, enhances his character the meaner he is although i have to correct you on one thing carlos it was not a moonsault it was a rounding body press they still Uh, committed to that yeah i I don't know what the deal is with this i think this is the biggest story of the week to be honest (laughs) what the mystery of the rounding body press what happened to the moonsault I'd like somebody to uh, check the patent records. Is somebody? I feel like maybe somebody like Keiji Muto or some company might have like had to have copyrighted or I don't. Why the hell are they calling it a rounding body press? What's that about? But does that even like? It almost it makes even less sense call, than to call it a moonsault. Well, okay, so I I think a lot of moves in Japanese pro wrestling, they're they end up in back in our ears as this mishmash of like original English and then translated into a katakana kind of English with its slightly different meaning, but using English sounding words. And then it gets translated back when time goes on and it becomes more modern, but rounding body press. I just think like rounding, like a round off, like, uh, in, um, gymnastics or wrestling, like when I would go to wrestling practice, uh, Everyone would have to do like three quarter rolls at first. You do like a cartwheel and a three quarter roll and a round off. All these kind of um, athletic warm up things. It's pretty common in like Greco Roman and any kind of amateur warm up. So I guess I think rounding body press. It sounds as classical as it gets. Like and a lot of the moves end up being like quite literal descriptions of what's happening in that moment. For example, hip attack and so on. Rounding body press. He's rounding something, and he's pressing his body onto someone. And that's all I have yeah, to say. I, that. Yeah, this this is a whole mess. <laughs> well, we will solve this though. I hope by the end of G one, we'll have an answer to this uh, rounding body press conundrum. We'll keep you posted, guys and ladies, everyone. Okay, semi main. What were your thoughts on Naito going over Juice in 25 minutes? And what I think was probably, was this Juice Robinson's best match he's ever had? I have to look. Maybe. I don't he know. looked very then good then in this match. Look, he then he got a, like a really good match against Okada a while back. Oh. That sounds familiar, but it doesn't come to mind immediately. The only other yeah, match that comes to mind would be his match with Kenny Omega in the G1 a couple of years ago, maybe two years yeah, ago. Yeah, that one that one was also excellent. Um, I don't know. They, it's, it's up there. It's up there. I love the fact that it took three Destinos to put away Jews, but Jews never hit pulp, pulp friction. 
So there is kind of like a nice little story that you can sort of play off a little bit if they ever came across each other again, because you know how they are really protective of their finishers a lot more than WWE, I should say. And the fact that it took three destinos to put away juice is no laughing matter. It's so it, this was a really, really good match started out a little bit slow with a lot of, you know, pandering to the crowd, but the, both of these guys are baby faces. So of course they did, but Really good match. Really, really good match. I mean, we could like dissected the moves left and right, but the what I took away from this was Juice Robinson, he has the potential to be an upper mid-carter baby face. Maybe not necessarily get into that Osprey realm of like mega star, like superstar Gaijin baby face. But I think in, this was one of those cases where Juice didn't get the win, but his stock kind of went up a little bit. Like, this is a match that, like, legitimized Juice as someone who can wrestle with the best of them. And you could, in a way, believably think that he'll that he'll come out on top. Yeah, I, I think what we got out of this is that, A, this really helped make juice or just we all kind of feel like oh man juice really belongs in this division or what they got going on in new japan right now and two it really says a lot about naito naito was really entertaining in this and i think he enjoyed kind of playing pseudo heel where he was really really leaning into those uh juice gestures every time he punched or chopped him i liked that i think at some points he was laughing at some of juice's reactions and uh and I, Juice is unique. I, you know, it it took me a while to kind of warm up to this character, but there's serious improvement every time you see him on the TV, and especially this summer or fall. And uh, I, he's not really comparable to anybody in the Japanese scene. I think he's he's a w, ex WWE guy who kind of re rejuvenated and reprogrammed himself, and he's really just Juice. He's Juice Robinson. The way he connects with the crowd is like only he can do it that way. It's very much his own thing that he's developing, which I think is such a cool uh, opportunity you can get when you're not under a system that's saying that's kind of producing you. You know, that's just a different style. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I think this is the only way Juice Robinson could be the best Juice Robinson he could be, what he's doing right now. So good for him. And I would recommend this match if you're interested in Juice, Naito, or just seeing what's going on lately in the G1. This was a very good match. And finally, finally we had the main event. I really like this. It was a little shorter. Evil defeated Tanahashi in a match that got pretty hot towards the end. What's your take on this one, Carlos? After this match was... You know, I liked it. You know, didn't think this was a phenomenal match or anything. This had your bells and whistles with Evil and Dick Togo, but Tanahashi, you know, really, really did well in this match. There were some really brutal moments, especially like in the first half of the match where like Togo was like hitting him and whipping him into the barricade and then Evil brings out like chairs into the ring. And then he was hitting like hitting Tanahashi's neck, like against the post. And then poor Yotasuji 
Like he was a casualty in this match, which and man, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but Yuta Suji has been he's kind of been making his presence indirectly known in a couple of these Tanahashi matches, don't you think? I absolutely agree. You're not overthinking this. And I even <laughs> investigated a little bit of it while I was watching it last night. So I noticed that and I was kind of thinking the same thing. I'm like, oh, this guy is getting a little more involved than we probably assumed or imagined he would. You know, I'm just kind of running, scrolling through the Twitter. I like to check the uh, G1 Climax 30 hashtag because there's a lot of uh, Japanese fans posting in it. And when that when he did that at that moment, there were a lot of people pretty much saying, nice, Tsuji. Oh, cool, Tsuji. So it's noticeable. It's not like uh, just us maybe guessing in the dark. Could this be something? Japanese fans noticed it. And I retweeted some stuff in real time. People were really stoked on that part of the match. And I think from that part when Suzu was getting involved towards the end was absolutely the, the best part of the match. I think Evil and Tanahashi, especially Evil these days, they know how to really turn it up towards the end and go from a kind of a slower 60 mile per hour cruising speed up to as fast as you need to go to get to the finish. Um, like he said, it's not the flashiest or the best match of the tournament. I think personally, just from my taste, I, I think I overrate these guys. I really liked their match last year, and I think I liked this one even better this year. But I completely understand why this would be out of somebody's taste or wheelhouse, especially when we've had so much great wrestling over the past couple of weeks anyway. That said, um, I have a question, Carlos. What, did you have any more like developed feelings about Evil's character after this match? Because to me, I felt like he felt like, okay, I'm starting to take him seriously as a heavyweight contender heel. Do you feel that way? Or do you feel uh, he's just the guy that New Japan has chosen and I'm not completely sold on him yet? Which side of that? Are you on? I, w I would say I'm getting to that part where I'm starting to be sold on him, but it's not quite there yet. Like, and, and granted, they're in New Japan is doing everything they can to make sure that evil is a true heavyweight heel contender. I don't know. I, the, the, it goes back to what we talked about yesterday that Jay White kind of has a similar act with Gato, but. Jay White is, does a lot better in that role, one, because Jay White is incredible, and two, he's had more time to work with Gato on this type of thing, whereas Evil is still trying to figure it out as we go. And I think that's kind of where I am. Like, I'm still trying to figure out my exact feelings on Evil as a singles guy, because I, I'd always known that Evil was really, really talented, like, the, the matches that he's had as a tag team wrestler and the few times that he's had opportunity to shine as a as a singles guy while with LIJ, you know, it, it, there's, it, it just still hasn't dawned on me of being like a bullet club type of heel. Like it still hasn't like properly set in with me, even though we've had a few months and a, a short run as the double champion. So... This match to me, it still didn't feel like this was the match that really defined evil. It's a nice win over Tanahashi, but it, it it's a match that like it kind of existed on its own in a vacuum because there was nothing like 
extra nor storyline or personal stakes involved aside from it's two more points in a still relatively wide open B block aside from Naito at the top. You know what this could be described as this? This would be like a perfect house show match during more normal times where you go to a, uh, a big city, but not a great big city. And because there's a huge show next week, we need to run a show, but we can't do anything creatively that's too out of the box or crazy. So what can we give them? Tanahashi was 100%. He was awesome in this. Evil was doing evil's thing. But really, we had more of the illusion of change than actual change itself. It was just like before the match and after the match, the status quo of New Japan is pretty identical. Nothing happened. And even within the context of the G1, they're both kind of still where they're at. So um, stakes-wise, this is totally skippable. And this probably won't have any or too much uh, bearing on what will happen in the future. But don't quote me on that. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's it was what you probably expect. As good as you'd expect, but probably nothing more than that. And Dick Toga, there was a lot of chicanery. A lot of chicanery at the end with the Pareja. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it Togo. is, you know, it, it is what it is, because it's what you would expect out of uh, Dick Togo. Um, evil match with Dick Togo. Yeah, so no surprises, but sometimes no surprises is okay. I'd rather have no surprises than something really bad. Yeah, that's also fair. That's pretty fair, too. I think. Unless if the thing is really bad, if it's really funny as well, then maybe <laughs> I'd take that. So, don't know. Okay, so, okay, the next show... Well, the next G1 show is going to be on Saturday. Saturday slash Sunday? Yeah, uh, sat- like Saturday morning, Saturday very early in the U.S., and then Saturday like afternoon in Japan. Okay, and we're going to be in Osaka. Okay. Oh, this is Edion Arena. This is where Dominion usually is. And um, yeah, this is the big venue. Big venue. So do you? I have the lineup in front of you. We have the line. We're going to talk about... So. What's going on with the A block standings right now, Carlos? Can you break it down for us? Because we were talking about it a little bit before we went on, but it's kind of not only messy, just kind of like uh, a lot of fireworks ready to explode right now. Yeah. So as we kind of mentioned it yesterday, so it's Okada, Ibushi, JY, Will Ospreay at the top, tied for first with eight points. But Okada is like the odd man out of the four-man tie because Okada hasn't beat anyone that's at the that's also tied with him but Ibushi, Jay White, and Will Ospreay they all have a win and a loss against each other so that's technically a three-way tie for the absolute top and then you have Ishii, Shingo Takagi, Minoru Suzuki, and Taichi tied for fifth at six points with a three and three record however if we look at the card for the Saturday show. So it's Kazuchika Okada versus Shingo Takagi, uh, Kota Ibushi versus Minoru Suzuki, Will Ospreay versus Taichi, Jay White versus Yujiro Takahashi, and Ishii versus Jeff Cobb. So theoretically, and I sincerely doubt this is happening, I give it like a 1.5% chance of it happening, but it is possible. If Shingo beats Okada, if Suzuki beats Ibushi, if Taichi beats Osprey, if Yujiro Takahashi actually beats Jay White and Ishii beats Jeff Cobb, we would have 
an eight-way tie at first place because everyone would then have eight points and a four and three record. The only ones that would be out out of that tie and actually eliminated would be Jeff Cobb and Yujiro Takahashi. Eight-way tie. Eight-way tie. What would you do? I know what you do. Royal Rumble. (laughs) G1 Rumble. Wait, better, better. Hold on, hold on. I got an idea. If if, If we have like this super tie by the end of the A block, and listen, it's not... It's not the first time we've seen this kind of stuff happen. You open the finals with the A block finals, and then you just have a massive multi-man match that decided via KOPW rules. Everyone introduces stipulation, fans vote on it. There you go. That sounds like a disaster. <laughs> it's a disaster. It sounds but like it would be what? so bad. It, you know what? Yes, it does. But you know what? They they put themselves in this position where mathematically we could have an eight-way tie at first with only two matches left in the A block. Whew. Man, I haven't done that much math in my head in a long time. Sending me back to high school. Whew. And, 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 and when and it comes to an eight-way tie. Yeah. yeah. And I got to be honest with you. I think Shingo actually beats Okada. I think he does. The way he was talking about it in his post-match promo that we were talking about it yesterday, um, he was kind of noting like, oh, are you not using a Rainmaker? Well, I'm just going to take you out. Uh, and he wanted to use a Rainmaker with his pumping bomber. So I think, yeah, that would not be surprising at all. Although the story is Okada is also like Sanada a little bit getting away with those kind of quick uh, cradle pins, O'Connor rolls and whatever just to get out and not he's not able to use the money clip like they presented the that's the story they're going with so we'll see what happens on saturday i think it'd be actually really cool if takagi beats okada with a takagi style rainmaker that would that would be a beautiful picture for shukamparesu <laughs> on next tuesday Uh, and i'm also really excited for both ibushi versus suzuki and taichi and osprey taichi and osprey because taichi taichi is a new man in my eyes over this g1 i think i'm i'm not i'm not ready to lock it in but i yeah especially after last night's match was it last night taichi and uh jay white i really like that match yeah yeah and I think, you know, Osprey wants to do more personality stuff in the ring. I think Taichi is the perfect opponent for him to try that kind of character stuff out with. It could be really fun. You know, I'm actually looking for a lot to Ishii versus Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb has looked phenomenal in this G1, and Ishii has been putting out some really, really good performances. You know what? I hope they kind of call back to the... There was a little bit, if you remember the first day of the G1 last year, there was a tag match or something where uh, Ishii and Cobb were kind of going at it after, before or after the match or jaw jacking. And just that, I remember people getting excited about just the thought of it. I hope they call back to that. But, you know, when this is all over and if there really is no plan for Tomohiro Ishii to go on a serious title run, I'd be very, very happy if they sent him to New Japan of USA and just had him work with that crew. Because we were talking about it. The guy can't have a bad match with anybody. 
why not send them to America and have great matches with everybody, especially the guys that need to have great matches because they're all new. Especially Jeff Cobb. (laughs) I mean, I'll take that. Oh, yeah. I think many people would. But that's it. That's day 12. Day 12 in the books. We're going to we're going to be back tomorrow with a special show. I'm not going to go into the details because not all the details are hammered out exactly yet. But we're going to have a special, let's just say, non-New Japan themed show tomorrow. Or probably we'll record tomorrow, probably be up on Saturday. Okay, so and that'll be in between. And after that, we'll be back with day 13 with this crazy, crazy Osaka show, A Block Action for Carlos. I'm Justin. I'm going to throw it back to you, Garrett. We'll see you guys this weekend. All right. Thanks to the machines, Justin and Carlos. Maybe I should get them some masks like the actual <laughs> machines as, as a gift because those guys, man, it, it's so uh, Justin was like, hey, do you want to come on? And I was like, I'm so far behind on the G1. <laughs> Like, I really need to catch up, and I'm not really catching up like when you're catching up, mm-hmm. so it's going to be really hard. I was like, uh, you know, maybe I'll try, but yeah, those guys those guys are, are running the show, man. Yeah, it's tough. This this year has been really tough for me to keep up. Um, like I said, I, I do make time to make sure I watch Jeff Cobb's matches and a couple other ones here and there, but like every one, I haven't been able to keep up like I used to last couple of years. Do you have any thoughts on how he's doing? I think he's doing great. I mean, he's had um, all his matches have been good to really good. Um, I know he's happy with all, maybe but one. <laughs> but uh, but you know, he's uh, he's he's doing great. I think he feels more comfortable this year. He's in great shape. Um, uh, you know, first time out, you, you know, it's 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 a learning experience, right? So mm-hmm. this time getting a second opportunity. I think he's really, really doing well. I really liked his match with Jay White um, that he, uh, the last one I just watched. Um, I thought that was a really good, fun match. The finish was fantastic. Um, It felt like an old school 80s match in a way because of the interference with Gato, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, and and stopping the interference and and, and stuff. It just worked out really well and Jay White's is fantastic. So like they had really great chemistry and they both respect each other so well, so so much. So um really like that match. So I highly recommend that match. And just doing some cool stuff. He does this, it's a back soup running out of the corner back suplex. I mean, it looks so simple, but I don't think I've ever really seen it anyone do it that way. Maybe I have, but it's such an awesome, simple move that it could be a finisher. It just he just he looks so cool when he does it. It's it's um he's been doing almost every almost every match. So um yeah, man, he's looking great. Uh of course the match that he wins. Oh, I don't want to get a spoiler, but he wins. I don't have him I don't have Chloe watching. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's only tuned in when he's lost, so she was pretty upset the last time he she watched and he was he lost. So I thought re maybe rewatch that match with her. So she can feel happy about Uncle Jeff getting a W. So, okay, couple, I have two small nitpicks. Uh, not really nitpicks, but what do you think about the gray in the beard? I don't like it. I wish you would cover that up. Me too. You know why? And it's not. It's not because you know that it's it's a shame to you know to have gray in your beard. But that dude, he's got 
dark skin. <laughs> he does. He can be any age that that you want him to be. Like he he looks he looks. He's ageless. Five five years younger than he really is. Yeah. Like like so. I don't think he. You know. I I don't think he needs that. And the other thing, this is not his fault, but I want to see him closer to like the fourth or the fifth match because then he could go a little bit longer. They could do a little bit of like a mm-hmm. a longer match, and then you'll because that that's kind of what I want to see. He's been a lot in a lot of like second matches, so they kind of time you know the way that they time those out. He's Ten not minutes, getting a ton right. of time. Like yeah, like the Suzuki match, which was awesome for the time. But I just wanted to see like another five to seven minutes to see what they could have done. Well, he's wrestling Okada soon. I think his next match, right? I mean, no, he. I think that was last night. Oh or shoot! To, I'm, yeah, his last. I think it was last oh, night. I gotta, gotta watch that one. So I'm yeah. sure they got some time, right? I'm, yeah, I'm, I, haven't, I haven't watched it yet either. So okay, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to watch that one. Um, no, no, I agree. Yeah, and also the 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 gray beard. My wife Katrina. The first thing she says right when she sees Jeff Cobb on the screen, she's like, "Ooh." <laughs> let's put that beer jeff cobb or that gray she's like you know she wants him to cover it up too but uh yeah but you know he's jeff cobb he can have gray wherever he wants because he's a beast but uh yeah yeah but no i prefer yes i prefer to cover that up because he is he's ageless you know he just has that you know he's that guam skin i guess i don't know man he just, he just looks uh he's like you garrett you that japanese skin of yours man you just look like you're you know 25 well the um the thing, the thing that is, you know, and I, and I tell everybody is when you sort of watch someone early, I didn't like, I didn't catch Jeff like early, 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 but you know, when I first met you, he was your guy. And so I feel like, you know, he's like one of my guys and, and that's how I watch him. You know, even, you know, even though he's not really one of my guys, but mm-hmm. like that, I watch him and I go, that's my guy, you know, he, uh, that he, I've, I've kind of claimed him. And so it's really, it's just cool. Like it's almost surreal in a sense, but it's, it's so cool to see him doing his thing out there. Yeah. And he's in a great spot with new Japan. And I say they love and respect him. And, and he just has that, you know, you know him, you've met him many times and hung out with him. He just has that great personality, just likable guy, kind gentleman, respectful, but super athlete and good worker. And, um, like he's so good, and I I don't even think he knows how good he is because like, like his selling is fantastic, and that's mm-hmm. usually the hardest thing for guys, especially big guys, power guys, like to get. And he has it down. So, I mean, he just every little detail of his sell is just so so good, man. I'm just so proud of that guy. He's amazing. Yeah, I'm probably repeating myself, but when I was talking to uh, Moxley on one of the shows that we did, I was saying how you were doing a a, a tournament uh, I don't, maybe this wasn't the tournament but you had you had a the the match with Tyler Bateman and we all thought mm-hmm. that Jeff really got hurt <laughs> because it was like this really like explosive finish that kind of caught us off guard we're like oh no and then we all realized when we found out that he was fine that oh that's exactly what you wanted out of that finish oh yeah and there's been there's been many times where I've been there live with him, watching him, or I booked him, and I've been like, oh, shoot, is he okay? And I go talk in the back. He's like, yeah, I'm good, man. Don't worry about it. Like, you know, <laughs> and then there's be times, too, when I would read, like, some report, like, uh, Jeff Cobb was hurt in a match, and I hit, hit him up. Hey, man, you good? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 just sell him, man. I was like, all right. You know, it's like, <laughs> he's just he's just so good. He's so believable. It's amazing. And that's, that's it's, a, it's a great thing, so. All right, so let's talk about these shows, AW and NXT. I actually want to start with NXT first because 
Uh, I want to hear your takeover thoughts. You don't have to. You don't have to talk a ton about it, but just mm-hmm. overall, I thought they had a pretty good show on Sunday, and you know, I was able to give my recap of that show on our Monday show. But just yeah. wanted to give you a few minutes to talk about what you thought. I know right when it was over, and I, I watched it late because you know we had family pictures, and as I can see in the future with my family when we do stuff like this i know it's not gonna go times mm-hmm. time well and mm-hmm. so i didn't get into late and it was just it was an adventure for sure but um i really wanted to jump on and do a show with you and talk about the show because i really liked this show a lot i thought the, i thought it was the best takeover of 2020 so far. i mean a, po- a pandemic takeover yeah not yeah, the yeah, one yeah. In, totally not the one in portland that was was the best one but um um that main event i mean i could talk about that main event every day like i just love that match that matches up my alley and everything i love about pro wrestling um i was pretty tired before that match started but i tell you man i got a second win because it was so good um uh special for me too because you know my best friend tom caster was refereeing his Mm -hmm. first takeover main event so that Mm -hmm. just added the cherry on top of and all three guys in that ring were working fantastic and told a beautiful story um kyle you know came out of that as a future champion in my opinion i think he really um proved that and finn was has been all years been amazing and it's unfortunate that uh what happened with finn he you know broke his jaw and he's gonna be out uh like i think about six weeks so um that's the only negative about it and you know kyle got banged up too so um you know, because they worked a really hard style, and I think just you know, things can things can happen, right? Mm-hmm. So, but other than that, though, I think it was probably shoot, man, maybe my favorite match this year, maybe maybe it's, maybe it's a recency bias, but like mm-hmm. at least up there with, at least up there my top top two or three this year for sure. It was just that damn good. Okay, so my one critique, because basically my thought was this was about as perfect as a match as you're going to watch with the one exception i just never thought kyle was winning yeah it's kind of like um this is like sting flair clash one mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like you don't think sting's gonna win but at the end of the ma- at the end of the match you're like wow this sting is going to be a future star and a future champion yeah and i think that's the goal of this match it was the goal of this match um and that's what they wanted you to think like man we just saw a hell of a match Kyle Riley is not just a tag team guy. Mm-hmm. Kyle Riley is a future world champ. And I hope now, I mean, well, you never know what's going to happen when Karrion Cross comes back. But somehow, some way, if Kyle Riley does win the NXT championship, and I think he will in the future, I would love to be it over Finn Balor. Just, just coming off this match. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure things will <laughs> can change multiple times before before that happens. But, um, but uh, I hope. You know, that will happen, though, because the magic of what they created on that takeover. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it was a it was a really good match. And, you know, it made me what it made me wish for was whatever Triple H's original plan with this storyline was going to be, because he had mentioned on I think it was the pre uh, the pre show mm-hmm. con- uh, conference call that they had. He said that that this was eventually what was going to happen, but they kind of had to put it in fast forward to get to this show. Mm-hmm. I kinda, I, now I'm like sort of jealous that I didn't get to see whatever the slower moving Kyle O'Reilly storyline was going to be. Yeah, it could have been. I don't know. I don't know if it's him and Karrion Cross. Maybe I can I can see them doing a match. I know their their styles are probably 
really mixed well. And I think O'Reilly's so good. He can really hide uh, Karrion's weaknesses and they could have a good match. Um, but, you know, just the way things worked out, it worked out for the better, in my, in my opinion, for Kyle, because this is a match that he really needed to really cement himself as a singles, uh, top single guy in the company. All right, so let's talk about these shows. Um, NXT and AW. So I will say, just to kind of start off, I was completely entertained with both of these shows. I wouldn't necessarily call them great. I would call them decent, good, but... You know, there there was a there there were things that I didn't like about both shows, but I would say I generally was okay with with most things, and we'll get into the dislikes uh, and, and the, some of the dislikes on NXT. I was very adamant on, uh, and there was definitely one thing on AEW that I, I really disliked. But most for both shows, I was kind of like, ah, oh, that was cool, that was fun, that was okay, uh, but nothing where I was like, ah, oh, that was so great. Yeah, I don't know what's going on recently, but it seems like. It's like we're getting like a really good two shows, like like when they're both really good, like every other week. Mm-hmm. And I think last week was was pretty good. Now this week is like, like you said, like just okay or, you know, some, I mean, there's some good and there's some bad, of course, but like, man, I was kind of disappointed in both personally, but, um, but uh, hopefully next week, if we're going on this trend, next week we'll uh, we'll have two really good shows. But uh, and I know AEW is gearing up for a really big show on their anniversary show, so they're going to come out with all all guns blazing on that show. So we'll see what they have planned. You know, and I will say that AEW show I felt was more of a promotion for the anniversary show, of course, than it was a, a really good you know single show. Mm-hmm. So, because there were the, like, I, I will say that I almost liked everything promotional that they did for that show. But the stuff that was in that show for that show, I was like, eh, it was okay, it was fine, whatever. Uh, but let's talk about NXT first because uh, we talked takeover. So let, let's move here. I will say my the first thing that I really liked was was the Kushida and Champa match. I, I I'm sort of like okay. The, so as I'm saying that. I'm trying to really figure out Kushida because there's a little bit of a mystery to him. Like there were a couple moments where he was selling and he was like staring off into like La La Land. And I don't know if it's because he was like thinking of his next move or what he's going to do next or when he's going to grab on that arm. But I think even the uh, Wade Barrett even maybe made a mention of it. It was like, oh, you know, he wasn't, was he looking at me or something? He said something like that. But uh, so this whatever Kushida is right now, he, he's violent. He's he's sort of deranged a little bit. I, I'm digging the character, but I'm still trying to figure it out exactly. But I really like this match up until the finish. Yeah, same here. You know what's funny? Like a lot of my likes, and we'll have like a butt after it mm-hmm. <laughs> with, mm-hmm. with 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 both shows. I you know I think um, this one here as well. I'm 100 with you. I think. To compare what you're seeing from Kushida, just think about Ken Shamrock in a way for mm-hmm. WWE. No, like, I think that's a good comparison. When he, you know, he would, uh, well, they would call it when he would turn, uh, he would get in the zone or what yeah, was yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I can't remember what they called it, but yeah, when he would just kind of go nuts. Yeah, so I think that's what Kushida is doing. Like he just, he turns it on and, and he gets in the zone and and that's the stare you're talking about. Like when he's about to clamp on a, when he's just like, it's just he looks around. He's he's just, he's so good, and I really like what they're doing with this character. I'm, it's I'm so bummed that Finn is gonna be out for a while because I really think that's what they're building to is uh 
him challenging Finn, and they will get there, I'm sure. But um, I kind of wanted it sooner than later. Yeah. Um, but we'll see what they could do to kind of keep Kushida busy until then. And um, but yeah, I thought this match was going great. I was just about to put it on my likes. I didn't put it on my likes just because of the finish. And I know what they're doing with the finish. I just thought it was lazy and poorly executed. Mm-hmm. I think they could have they could have done the same. They could have got Velveteen to interfere and try to attack Kushida, but ends up costing Chomp of the match. They could have done all that, but just the way they did it, I just felt it was lazy and also felt it was a major letdown. And mm-hmm. and it and it really overshadowed the, this really good match that Chompa and Kushida was having. Shouldn't Dream like have had something covering his arm? Like well, he had Kushida a cast on. Oh, did he? Have, okay, I, I yeah, because that's I, what I, that's what knocked. That's why Champa was out. Okay, like, that you know. that that's the part that I was that I couldn't figure out because I saw the run in, and I think it was because I was like, ugh, I, uh, this is not what I wanted to see, and then I didn't see the cast. But yeah, so okay, as long as as long as they did that, I, I, I'm fine. Well, you know they, why? It probably looked like his regular glove, but it, right. it was basically like a purple cast. You know, because it's a dream. He can't just have a. The old standards tan white cast, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so, so this the the dream run in was on my uh, my dislikes, and the Same. reason the reason it is is because you know when you do a run in, it should intrigue you more about what you were just watching, and. You know, obviously they're they're setting something up, which is fine. That's what TV is for. You're you're setting up bigger matches down the line. But if I if I think about what I want, if they're gonna do a big match, do I wanna see Kushida and Ciampa again? I'd totally be down with that. Do I wanna see a three way? No. And yeah. that's how I look at that. Yeah, there could be a three way, possibly for Halloween Havoc on uh, October twenty eighth. Um I don't think Ciampa's going babyface. I think Ciampa's going to be, unfortunately, and I don't like to say it, but those that gray area kind of mm-hmm. character, he's just going to be his own, own island to himself. There's him against NXT kind of deal. So he'll feud with babyfaces and heels. And, um, um, you know, I guess him and Dream would be interesting. But uh, um, I don't know. Ciampa seems kind of like treading water right now. So maybe this will give him something to do. But Kishida will be also be treading water for a little bit until you know Balor comes back. So we'll see. We'll see. Maybe that's what they're gonna do right now is have this little three way feud until until the when the winner coming out of this will be one to face Balor in the future. All right. So what was your like? What was one of your likes? Um, well, actually, <laughs> I like the main event. So I had that on my likes. I didn't like, now here's a but, I didn't like the setup. I didn't like, first of all, Ember Moon. Oh my God. Whatever, whatever that was. <laughs> She's, I think she should be a heel. She just has that, like she's, has. you can kind of see she's, you can kind of see that she's kind of, she just comes off, doesn't come off genuine to me, right? As a baby face. I think she's more naturally a heel and well, maybe that's I, what's gonna happen. Maybe that should happen. Um, uh, <laughs> oh my god, I gotta say, I want to say so much more. But um, I think <sighs> I didn't like the promo. The pro- funny thing about the promo, she's like, "Oh, they let me talk," and I'm like, "They shouldn't." 
after what you <laughs> said. You know, gosh, my God, that was bad. Well, they, they got for, it this, short. for this show, she had to say something. I mean, it's well, it's kind of what it is, though, right? Like, you know, may, maybe I, I, I don't know how. Um, was this a, this wasn't a live show? Wasn't yeah. It? And okay, so so forward, so yeah. you know you know maybe they maybe when you get her to speak maybe you do a tape thing before you know if she's gonna have something good to say or she's gonna do it well. But yeah, the the live mic she she did not seem. I, was she reading like cue cards or something? I don't like, know. It's just it was just bad. But thank God it was short and they got to the point. But that that the the brawl was kind of rushed and. I didn't like I didn't like that part of it, but I thought the match really settled down and had, was pretty good. Um, I think Dakota Kai was the star of that match. Mm-hmm. I mean, she really, I mean, Ember Moon, she really made Ember Moon look really good, right? I think um, I like the stuff with Raquel and Rhea. I thought that was really good. I, I just um, worry that they're going to hurt each other. Raquel and Rhea, yeah, <laughs> they're working hard, man. They're really and because they're just big, they're big, strong mm-hmm. women. Like mm-hmm. when they do something. It is it is much different than when Io Shirai is flying through the air. Yeah, I like I like the spot where they went over the table. Mm-hmm. Because what I liked about it was like the camera missed it. For yeah, the, yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, But I like that because it's just oh my god, what happened? And you know, so I, the main event kind of started a little to me not a little rough, but then it really settled down. I think Dakota really she was fantastic. Like that power bomb that got kind of oh yeah, could have been. She, I thought that was going to be really bad news well i think ember didn't think kai was gonna go up that that easy right yeah yeah she shot up there man she was she's fan and it's the way she took that stunner off the top rope my god or that uh what do you call that the eclipse or eclipse. whatever eclipse yeah um man i don't think i've ever seen that move executed that 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 perfectly and it's all because the way kai took it um i mean ember looked pretty graceful in that replay too as well so but did you all, sense good. did you sense and I don't want to get in trouble for this, but did you sense that Ember maybe came back a little early, maybe before she was totally like ready and totally in shape? Mm, maybe. Yeah, I noticed that too. But I mean, I, but you see that a lot of people and, you know, like um, a couple of the guys are, I think because of the COVID and stuff, mm-hmm. I don't know, is they're, they're a little, they're a little softer. Um, and and, and I, I don't want to be unfair to her because I think she was good in the match. Like it, I, I don't think she was necessarily uh, handicapped in any way, but as you can just tell, like it's her first match back. She's come back from a really bad injury. Like that's a legitimately bad injury. So, you know, it's probably, it was probably, you know, the true, the comeback was probably really hard on her, but you know, the, the thing about that now, you know, on the takeover thing, I w- you know how happy I was to see Tony storm. Mm-hmm. And then when Ember moon came out, I was like, okay, well they kind of, they kind of pulled the importance down of both comebacks by putting it at the same time. Yeah. But also, I was just happy to see both of them because, you know, one of the things that I've been talking about that is a little bit of a downer is that the the women's division kind of got taken down a little bit. And now it feels like it's going to be hot again. So I'm it's pretty up, excited. Yeah. It's eating up and you have like, you know, Shotzi stepping up her game and she, you know, she... She wasn't on my likes and that match wasn't on my likes. Oh, yeah, but yeah. I, but when I she's just, in with I someone like her, when she's in with someone that can really, you know, carry her like EO did in that match, like she, you know, she can come through. So, and I um, really hope she takes the Halloween Havoc thing, the host of the Halloween Havoc thing, like to to ten. Like I just want to see. Oh, she will. I want to yes. see her do her thing on that show. And it's funny because, like I said on the last week's show, she was on that cop, keep creepy coffee television twenty, you know, movie of the night, like Saturday night movie as a. 
you know, part of their segments between commercial breaks and that's how she's. It was pretty funny that you brought that up. And then on the, you know, and then two days later, three days later, she's, she's tapped to be on this show. Yeah. I I hope she, I'm I'm sure she's going to have a match too on the show. I would think, I would think, but yeah. uh, Yeah. Okay. So um, my next one, and you're going to laugh at this because I've been just killing these segments. No, you're going to laugh too. Cause it's online as well. I actually liked Candace and Johnny. Yeah, me too. <laughs> number number three man that I, was F- that was a lot of fun i i dig i dug the whole thing and i dug the you know because they're both down because they they lost and mm-hmm. then there's some intrigue here and it wasn't silly it wasn't stupid it was goofy but i didn't feel like i was watching like something really dumb i thought that i was oh okay this i actually kind of want to see what happens next yeah it was goofy in a good pro wrestling way mm-hmm. right my favorite part like at first i was just watching it and I had no like like or dislike of it, but then what really turned the corner for me? He, she was like, "Hey, with this TV, who how, who Indy Hartwell sent it?" And he's first, he's like, "Oh, that Indy Hartwell, she's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's this and that." And she's like, "Well, no, she sent this TV. Oh, I like her. Oh, she's <laughs> yeah, great." Exactly. Like you know, so that really just really made me laugh, and and uh, I'm still intrigued by their house because their rooms look extremely small to me. Like when they're reviewing that, <laughs> reviewing that uh, looks like a nice. Nice, good size house, but then like the room they're in, it just where do they put the TV in the master? I guess it's the master bedroom, or I don't yeah, know. I, don't I, know. Supposed, I thought it was supposed, it was supposed to be for their guest room. I, I thought, thought it was the family room. I thought the fan room that's what they broke in the fan. That's where they had dinner, right? That's the family room area, and it looks like one of those those houses that go straight up, two story, go straight up. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, anyways, I just, I just, I had a really good chuckle, and I'm intrigued by this India Hartwell deal. You know. Um, see where it goes i hope it's not one of those wd likes to book the old woman stalker angle like mm-hmm. a woman that stalks another woman so i hope that's really not the case but maybe it is and we'll see how it goes uh so what was your next one um i like the prime target segment because um with uh, the finn balor o'reilly post-match stuff because that match was so great um and you have to have a when you have a great match you have to have a follow-up the next show and a lot of times you know promotions missed the ball on this but they didn't and i liked how they used the prime target segment for it instead of like some just some typical backstage interview you know with or you know just the way they did it i really it made it it made it that match bigger than big even bigger than it was i guess in a way it just added more to the history the historicness of the match i guess and i really liked it i i like that kind of stuff and I like Prime Target. They don't overdo it, which is nice. Um, and I hope they continue these kind of segments because for the big matches. Okay, I'm really interested in your thoughts on my last like here because I the 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 women's tag was also on my like list. I'm interested in what you think about this one because they definitely tried to make Ridge Holland look like a beast. Mm-hmm. They sacrificed. Uh, one of their tag teams in order to do so. And I liked a lot of it. I, I think he needs to stop with those fake headbutts in the corner because they did not... The, headbutts in general are, are ridiculous if they're even close to real, but his were not, and so they didn't look great. But then uh, they, you know, they, they 
did more so that you know because this is like this is like the Brock Lesnar against the Hardy Hardy Boys thing. At least mm-hmm. that's what it reminded me of when Brock Lesnar first came up. It was like, oh, you know, you're gonna you're you're gonna beat up me, and then well, then my brother's gonna come save, and then we're gonna kind of get one over on you, and then you're gonna beat us up, you know, in, in the long run. So he was beating them up, and then when they got to try to you know two on one or, or whatever, or there was always another person coming at him and then he did the dive over the top and his whole leg just looked like it like just exploded. And it sounds like he's like, he had like three things that he needed surgery on. So like, I liked the idea of it, but the outcome was just brutal. And so I can't like that segment because of what happened, but I did like what they were trying to do with him um, I don't know if it's necessarily natural for him because I I didn't really like his promo, but um, I, I love I love the attempt and it seemed like you know they they really wanted to do something with them. They see him as a, a future star, and then you know his leg just exploded and I, ah, I I I was like so down after that. Yeah, I mean I was down big time because I'm a real big fan of Rich Holland and um, he is a future star and he will be a future star. You know, and looks like he's going to be out for. I mean, this is going to be a minimum of ten months. So, mm-hmm. and it sucks for many reasons because um, you don't want to see anyone suffer injury like that. And two, this is his big break, mm-hmm. his big angle that he was going to be part of, and some big matches for him in the near future and beyond. And now it's on. Now it's on hold for ten months or longer. So. Really bummed me out. Um, I thought the segment was fine. Um, I thought it was a little overdone, especially I think there shouldn't have been a dive out, not even twice, personally. I think he should just simply beat Danny Birch and won the match. And I think it's okay for Oni to come out and then have a stare down and then do the match next week between those two guys. Mm -hmm. And he should beat Oni next week um i think that's what probably the plan was and they wanted to add some steam to it but um and i believe he was supposed to catch him and i believe he was supposed to do the he's supposed to catch him on the second dive post him that's what it looked like they're kind of going for you know i I don't think he was going to take two dive outs right i think he was going to catch him and do something you know maybe a power slam or something and just like 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 i said like the brock lesnar matt hardy deal so um it just one of those freak accidents where his body weight, top half of his body weight was over his knee a little, you know, too much where the, you know, that it just sucks, man. It just really bummed me out and really bummed me out for the rest of the show and that night. And because like I said, I've been on the Ridge Holland train since I, since I saw him in NXT UK and you know, me and young prospects, I just love that about this mm-hmm. business. I'd like the, I love about, I love the future of the business and he has a bright future and he's from the rugby world he's had surgeries and scars on his knees already so he's been down this road it's you know the pain probably sucked but it's the opportunity washing away you know that's probably what really just just kills him and it kills it for guys like adam cole who's probably looking to work for him and all the other guys that are going to be involved in so i just wish ridge the, the best and hope he comes back soon and and he'll come back and he'll be a beast and, and we'll see his full potential. All right. Did you have anything else on your likes list? No, that was that was it. That was it. And yeah. um, we already talked about one of my dislikes was the the, <laughs> the finish of the Kushida Ciampa. So I have a couple more though. Yeah. So I had the, I think my major one and 
I don't I I know you like this guy, but the the Dexter Loomis and Austin Theory thing. So we've been talking about Austin Theory. He looks really good. He's but he's been losing, which is which is fine. But then he wins this match and he's he's really pompous and 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 calling out Adam Cole. And then Loomis comes in and I immediately thought like Okay, they tricked me because I thought this was like okay. Now we're getting Adam Theory, you know, Austin Theory on the on the on the comeback train. He's going to start winning some matches. He's going to be a contender again. And no, they had Dexter Lewis come in, and then they had this impromptu match. Mm-hmm. And then he loses. He gets uh, choked out. Um, and it, it, but it's the, the setup is for Cameron Grimes, which that part of the whole thing I'm okay with. It was just like I'm not a fan of him. So when he came in and kind of. I knew he, what his job was, was going to come in and beat up Austin Theory. I was like, ah, it kind of pulled me back from what I really liked about Austin Theory winning, and it pulled me down knowing what they what they were setting this up for. Yeah, no, I had all my dislikes as well. Um, um, I really liked that little match she had with Leon Ruff, mm-hmm. Austin Theory. I thought that was great. Um, There's a right before the finish, Leon Ruff was going for some springboard thing off the ropes, but he lost his footing. And Austin Theory quickly went right to the finish. I mean, at 22 years old and his experience level to do that, to not skip a beat and just go to the finish. And I thought that was really impressive. That kid is, I mean, barring any other goofiness, goofiness outside the ring or any serious injury, um, he is going to be a superstar. He should be. He has that. I mean, I think, uh, Wade Barrett even compared him to future Randy Orton like. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has that potential. So, um so that was cool. I'm like you did not like that they actually had him tap out to Dexter Loomis. Now, I can see what they're going for. Austin Theory cuz he's such a great promo and a cocky and arrogant heel. It's an impromptu match. It's not an official match. So he can also talk about he's been on a win streak by beating Leon Ruff. And that match he lost wasn't a really official match and blah, blah, blah. But I think they could accomplish what they wanted to accomplish without beating him. Like, you know, after he beats Leon Ruff, go into that promo where he's talking about how he's great and he's the best. He's the future, et cetera, et cetera. No one can take him. No one will stand up to him. No one can beat him or whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. And out comes Dexter Loomis. And he's like, and they get in a little scrap, right? Not a match, a scrap. And Dexter's getting the best of him. And Dexter sends him reeling over the top rope or through the ropes, and he bumps out of the ring. So then you have from behind, from not from the entranceway, but from behind, you know, Lee, come, or um, sorry, Cameron Grimes comes out and does the double, you know, to his back. He doesn't even see him. He does right to Dexter's back. He does the double stomp and and Dexter takes a fall. And, you know, so you're not beating Austin to beat him. And you're still accomplishing the goal of setting up uh, Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis match or, or feud. So I was not happy with the loss. I thought, okay, cool. He's on a win. He's on a winning track now with Austin Theory. Let's kind of continue that. But that was a bummer. That was a, that was a decision I think they, I wish they would have, they would, would have next would have gone through with. All right, what else is on your list? Uh, did you watch the full show? Or did you watch the uh, Hulu version? I watched the full show. Okay. <laughs> this Drake Maverick Killian Dane Ever Rise match just was so frustrating because, of course, okay, the odd couple partners stuff um, is could be entertaining, but I think they're going about the wrong way. I think 
it should be not this goofiness of Drake Maverick and and you know being just totally obnoxious and and I think it should be where he's a fighting babyface who's smaller and Killian Dane doesn't respect, but just earns his respect, right? Instead of just like Killian doing all the work and just kind of like as annoyance, you know, using Killian, uh, using Drake Maverick, and I just didn't, I just didn't like, I just didn't like, uh, I don't like what they're doing with it. I it has, it had potential when it originally started, but now I'm just really over it and I'm really disappointed in it. So it it wasn't on my list, but it's more so because I know that people like it because eventually when they do get together. People are going to love it and they're going to have so much fun. I think it, it was just sort of there for me. And I'm just waiting for them to get together so I could stop shaking my head watching it. Well, I think people will like it more if... See, I don't want to see Killian stop being Killian the, the bruiser and become like this goofy character with Drake Mavic. I want to see Killian to be the stink, continue to be the bruiser... But now he has respect for this little baby face, right? That's mm-hmm. his partner. And now, you know, now he takes all the, you know, now Drake Maverick's the guy that gets beat up in the tag match. And he makes the hot tag to the big guy. And the big guy cleans house. Like, it's such an easy and simple formula. Like, but they're just going to this a goofy, quote, unquote, entertainment route of this deal instead of the pro wrestling route where, you know, you, you know you're building to a team you really care about. And uh, these guys coming together are not something that is just a sideshow mid-card act. You know? uh, was there anything else? No, that's it. Yep, that was it for me too. Oh, okay, so let, let's go to AEW. And I will say that I really liked... I don't know if I really liked this match, but I liked Will Hobbs in this match with Brian Cage. I know that uh, uh, Dave Dutra... He he mentioned that, you know, they they'd worked a lot together, so they they, they had good chemistry. I, I thought the match was good. I didn't think it was great, but I liked Will Hobbs because now I thought he I was hoping he was going to win. I didn't think he was going to win, but I th- was hoping for just for that outside chance that he would have won because I think at that moment he does win, and and that sort of changes how I feel about everything. But even in losing, I thought he looked really good. Um, and, I, and I think, at least I think the goal was to try and in losing to still have him gain something from losing to Brian Cage. Yeah, I think that was the goal. I, I think they they didn't. I think they missed the mark on it. I, now, 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 this is all my likes as well. And to me, I think it was the best match on the card from bell to bell compared to all the other stuff on the show, mm-hmm. which I didn't think they had a strong show in the ring. Uh, but I have an issue with the match. Well, a lot of things just, it was just, they wanted to go out there and have you do a big move. I do a big move kind of, yeah, they wanted like the, a, an open, they wanted a hot opener. They, they, it's kind of a typical Brian cage match they had, but I don't think will like, he just lost clean and I don't, and they did a lot of stupid things too. Like, not not them personally. It's just how they were told to do this match. Like you know, Will's finally on a win streak, even though it's on dark, and you know, not everyone watches dark, but he's finally winning matches on dark, and he's establishing his finisher, which is uh, I believe it's the spine buster. And already in your first match, you have some guy kicking out of it, right? And I knew that 
Cage is going to kick out of it because Brian, because they had Will Hobbs kick out of one of Brian Cage's big moves, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and the finish I didn't like because he lost clean. I think if now Taz would have gotten involved or Ricky Starks would have gotten involved or possibly Ricky Skaggs got involved. <laughs> Jim Ross called Ricky How did Jim Ross get his name wrong? He's like sitting <laughs> right next to him. And, uh, you, know, if, you know, if they would have done something to where Cage had a, after all that, Cage had to sneak out a victory, then Hobbs has something to continue to fight for. But all we establish is that Hobbs is not at the level of Brian Cage in the pecking order. And I just wish um, it, it didn't really help him. I don't think it really helped him as much. They think they might think it did, but it really didn't, the execution-wise. I think they should have had the heels cheat. And like then you have something for more. Now you want to see a rematch from these guys, maybe at the pay-per-view or or another big match on Dynamite, you know. Um, it was just a backdrop really for Darby. Maybe they'll do a tag match between those four guys. I'm sure they'll, they'll probably do that, but um, I don't know. I To me, bell to bell, I thought it was the best match on their show, on their show, but, you know, I think I think the finish didn't really benefit Will Hawes, as pe- a lot of people think. All right, so the uh, another thing on my likes was... Um, Jericho had way more stars who wanted to record videos for him than I even imagined that that he would have. So that was cool because when you see you know Shaquille O'Neal mm-hmm. on TV, like to me, I'm like, oh, you know, that's kind of a big deal. The only problem with it is, uh, you know, they're all in the NXT over fifty demo, so there was a there was an age thing going on there. Everyone was uh, older than us who who was. Uh, who was uh, doing the Jericho tributes there? But it's still, I was very impressed with the the amount the people that they got on that thing. And you know, you know, those Tony Khan doesn't know those people. That's all people that Jericho really knows. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, some guys didn't know he out how, how long he wrestled for. He's still really he wrestled for this long. Like, did somebody say yeah. that or Kevin Smith? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was kind of some were good. Some were. Anyway, this is a cool segment. Now that was cool. That, I, I like those. That's uh, you know. All good things, yeah. It was all my likes, but um, I agree with you. That was it was a positive for sure. Uh, another thing I liked was uh, I liked the Moxley promo more than the Archer promo, but I, I, I'm really looking forward to this match. I mean, I don't imagine Archer's going to win this match, but they both come across as uh, as badasses, and Moxley is also like. He's got this like coolness to him that is not like a natural charisma coolness. Like he like Ricky Starks is cool from like sort of that you know how how we saw you know people in our high school was cool. Like that's the kind of cool. Mox has got this like different coolness, and I really dig it. And I think he's you know he's really growing into this role as like the top guy. And and you know as he is you know eventually he's gonna have to lose that title, but. Mm-hmm. Just like I'm really digging just about everything he's doing with the with this belt, and very much looking forward to that match next week. Yeah, yeah, it should be good. Um, I like the promo too as well. Um, thought it was well done, and um, Archer was was pretty weak, and I think the sound was goofy. Or yeah, something. The, it said the uh, the audio was weird. On yeah, it or something. so but yeah, Mox's part of that was uh, piece of business was pretty good. All right, what what's on? Uh, what else on your likes? I enjoyed the end of the show with Chris Jericho MGF to continue tease between those two guys or whether they have planned. And um, I really, I it's intriguing to me. I really, I'm really into the storyline. 
right above anything else in AEW. So I, I enjoyed it. I, the whole clown thing was kind of, eh, but like, whatever. They they made up for it. And um, I'm curious to see what's going to happen next week with Dick. So that's. I, that's and, and I also like the MJ. Like, that part of it wasn't on my likes list, but. The I, I really liked the MJF interview before as well. Like yeah, it, yeah. it was it was a little bit like, I mean he he, you know he he is a, a a boisterous obnoxious guy, and that was a little bit more of like, that's like probably the real uh, the real him a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then he he was you know he he's still pulling it back. He's not he's not being like a baby face or anything. He's not kissing yeah. up to Chris Jericho. He's just being sort of real about the situation which i thought was pr- was pretty cool yeah oh yeah no no yeah, yeah more more mjf for the better i think on any show they have all right what what else or was that it that was it so the other thing that i had on this list and i debated putting it on because i didn't really like the match but the cody and brody lee segment overall was just like i couldn't turn away from it because that's it's, funny it's very rare that you see that kind of match on television with that much blood with that much craziness with that much plunder like i wouldn't necessarily say that i enjoyed the match as a match because that's not really my style of wrestling anyway but i also realized that i was like okay i can't really turn away i just keep watching this thing because of how nuts it is i fell asleep so i had to go rewatch it today <laughs> i literally fell asleep and then i woke up and i saw the finish so i'm like oh shoot i gotta rewatch that match because i can't can't tell by sleeping if it was good or not um it was okay i thought it was okay um um they're trying to create this special match but you know the thing about Piper and Valentine—they didn't use tables and all that kind of stuff. They didn't go all the—they didn't go to the floor that you know much or at all. I don't think. I think they went maybe a little bit, but um, I thought I don't know. I don't know for some reason Brody Lee was just very boring to me in this match. Um, I know they did the blood and the double juice. The whole thing with John Silver in the beginning was very strange. It was weird. Well, why would he be up? Like, it just, like, looked stupid while he was on the apron. And just to get him the bleed to get over the chain, like, you can get over the dangers of the chain. And there was no struggle with the chain, too. Like, the, in the beginning, there was, like, they just kind of went at it instead of, like, the limitations of the chain they got established and all that kind of stuff. And one thing, this, the match to me is just not interesting because the buildup to it was just, you know, a special stipulation match to make it, important you have to have a proper build this didn't have a proper build at all it was just kind of rushed hot shot it if you will um yeah so it's and just so do you think now based off of what we saw the long-term storyline was probably not to take the title off cody at that point mm-hmm. but he probably had an opportunity to do something else which he mentioned which was the the game show and then, and maybe they're like, okay, you're gonna do this. Well, you know, we're we're gonna put it on Brody, and then you come back and you beat him. Yeah, yeah, probably what happened. So it sounds like it happened. There's like a little quick deal, but wasn't he even gone for like a couple weeks, like two, three weeks? Like wasn't gone for months or anything like that. To yeah, where, I, you know, it was like it was like I don't know, three weeks, four weeks. I don't. But know. But maybe they wanted to do something shocking. The way you know they need to give Dark Order something, at least Brody Lee something. So you know they they decided to pull a trigger on a title chain um i thought the match like i said it was okay they had some good stuff and also had some mis 
some malfunctions with the chain. As you noticed towards the end, it was coming off of Brody Lee and I think they had to tuck it, tuck a little bit of it in the collar at one point in time. And one thing Cody wanted to do, it didn't execute. He couldn't execute some kind of like uh, almost like strangulation with the the ring post as like a as like a as like a like a leverage deal with a ring post that didn't work out. I think even Jim Ross mentioned it. Um, I thought the commentary is kind of kind of blue in this segment. I think there's times when you know Jim Ross is goofing off and and you know Shivani is being Shivani and Excalibur. I just think they weren't really. I wish it was like we had old Jim Ross mode here. I think this would have been up his alley to do that. And it just kind of like he was hit and miss. He would say some good things, but then goof off. So, um, yeah, it was it was fine. I, I didn't have it on my, li- my likes or dislikes. It was just it was just there. And like I had to go rewatch. Like I said, I like I, I did fall asleep. And um, and uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of blood. They did do a lot of blood. So. It wasn't as shocking. If they imagine they didn't do blood for weeks and then they had this, they would probably stand out more, in my opinion. What do you think about Orange Cassidy challenging for that title next week? And lame. Like we just saw him lose the title opportunity. You know, when he's against 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 uh, against uh, Brody Lee. I mean, does he lose again? Or you know, does he beat Cody? That'd be interesting, I guess. But who wants to see? Orange Cassie is TV champion for, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, it's it's whatever to me. I wonder if they think that he's good for ratings. Because oh, yeah. I'm sensing that they feel like this is their best chance to do a great rating. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, it's show stacked, Mox and, and Archer, which they, they've been pushing for a while. And, you know, Cody and, and Orange and all titles what, are online. Yeah, I forget what that what that what's the what's the other match? That's the tag titles. Isn't the best is it? Oh best yeah, friends? best friends. Yeah. Yeah. Against yeah. FTR. So, you know, I wonder if they feel like, oh, you know, if it we've already done Jungle Boy, so we can't do Jungle Boy again. And and now, you know, we'll we'll do Orange because he does really well. I haven't seen his you know, I haven't seen the actual ratings with you know what what his segments do versus everyone else but i just wonder if that was the decision because like you said we just saw him lose mm-hmm. so i didn't I, I i was unsure what the plan was unless it's either just you know to pop that rating or or maybe they you know maybe he's i don't know i don't think he can win i don't that think match. they really have that big of an overall plan when it comes to i think they have some things planned out but a lot of times they're just throwing stuff out there and I think if you had a plan, if you're really detailed oriented with your booking, I think you wouldn't have Orange lose to Brody Lee a couple weeks ago and then have him challenge here. I think if you know you're going to do Cody versus Orange Cassidy at the anniversary show, I would not put you know Orange to lose to Brody. I'm like no. All right. So what were uh, some of your dislikes? On uh, the main event, I thought was pretty bad. Chris uh, Chris Jericho, Jake Hager versus Luther and Serpentico. Um, just uh, just a really bad match. Luther was blown up pretty something fierce in this match. Um, he was moving really slow at the end, slipping off the top rope. Um, couldn't even barely get his big boot up for the big boot on on Chris Jericho. Um, it was just wasn't that good of a match. I know why Jericho wanted it because you know he had thirty years ago he wrestled Luther, and then thirty years now he wants to do it again. But. Um, now, this would have been, see, instead of wasting all this opportunity with Jericho had all these matches with these young guys and um, and they took him to the limit and he beats him. Like, imagine if he didn't, he kind of beat guys convincingly, 
But then he gave this one opportunity on his 30th anniversary to a kid, a young star like a Jungle Boy, and Jungle Boy has a a, a, a takes Jericho to the limit and barely beats him, and Jericho survives. Like it's supposed to be all about Jericho Day, you know. But he, he picks this Jungle Boy because he has potential, but he knows he can beat him pretty quickly, and he's it's a showcase for Jericho. But you know, Jungle Boy flips the switch on him, and now J- Jungle Boy's getting a fight for his life, and he's gonna upset the legend on his day. Like that would have meant something. It really made a guy like J- Jungle Boy, but here he just you know wanted to have a, a match with his buddy, and and you know they had to do a tag match because. You know, Luther can't probably do a singles match. He's just, you know, <laughs> just just can't. And it was uh, it was one of the, probably the weakest main event that I think they've ever had. And, and um, what saved it for me was just like I said, I enjoyed the MJF segment with Jericho at the end, but the match itself with those was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, going in, like I didn't expect anything. I was only concerned about whatever the angle that was coming out of it. Mm. So I didn't like. I didn't really. I mean, I it, it was not a good match but i didn't really care too much about it anyways so that's why that's why it wasn't on my dislikes i was like oh this is this match is not going to be good it's just kind of a showcase for for whatever they're doing but i just expected i what i thought was this is just a backdrop for whatever Mm -hmm. jericho's pay-per-view match is going to be but that's actually what not what it was yeah no no i i mean if I'm Tony Khan thinking like, why did I hire Dr. Luther again? I mean, I mean, just what, what I mean, you hired him for, I know as a, a favor, but like, I don't know, man, just a lot of wasted, a lot of wasted money there, in my opinion. I, you know, no I mean, unless Dr. Luther. Dr. Luther does other stuff that we don't know about, but I mean, just if you're just hiring for him for a wrestler, he's, yeah, you know, I'm he's sure not really that I know he's valuable. booked and he's done trained and he's done all that, but I just think you can use your money elsewhere, but, you know, that's just me. Okay, so my dislike was the... I actually have two, more like one and a half, but (laughs) um, FTR versus TH2. That's my next one, too. And the follow-up, which I I sort of understood the follow-up, which was the best friends... The best friends are like, look, this is what you think of us anyways. You think that we're just goofball backyarders, so... That's what we're going to give you. I just, uh, you know, I don't buy them anyways. I know that we're supposed to buy them after they won that crazy match, the the parking lot match. But I still don't buy them. So them being like these tough guy challengers, it's like, eh, whatever. The, you know, FTR is really the, the tough guys uh, as it is. So I'm not looking that forward to that match. I just, what I hope is if, they're, if, if we're going to get to the Young Bucks and FTR, can we just get there maybe next week? <laughs> like if, if that's where, that's where we're going, can we just do it? Because otherwise we're just like running in place here with this thing. Yeah. I mean, does anyone care about FTR versus Young Bucks at this point? I don't. I mean, just uh, they screwed the pooch on this, in my opinion. They they missed their opportunity to just have this, you know, great or this moment of like this special match that they've been talking about forever. And now it's kind of like when it, when, it, when it finally gets here, I won't be excited for it. I'm not going to be hyped for it. Um, the match itself, FTR, TH2, was... This is FTR's worst match in the promotion, in my opinion. Um, not really it was, their fault, though. Oh, God. And Helico and Jack <laughs> Evans are just not that good. I mean, you mean that Jack Evans missed that flip, and they tried to cover up. Oh, he hit him with his foot. Yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. He completely landed on his ass and missed by a foot. And, uh, and no. And... Um, and then Helico is just like so blah. Like he's 
no facial expressions. He just lethargically goes to submission holds and are supposed to care about these holds he gets like watching Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor trade just headlocks and making it feel like, God, that mess freaking hurt. He's cinching it in and I can see the veins popping and you have and Helico like, you know, taking out the garbage, basically how I would like nonchalantly go out there. Okay, garbage. Here you go. Dump it in. Like that's how he locks on submission holds. Like he just like, <laughs> there's just a boring team, you know, and just, uh, you know, I think they might they might work well with Lucha Libre and doing mm-hmm. a lot of spots, but FTR did their best, I guess, possible, but it just wasn't just wasn't clicking. I wonder now. I, so TH two, why they got the match, considering they're not really on AEW Dynamite as it is, was interesting. But when you're in that, when when you're in that role, so. You're TH2, you haven't been on Dynamite all that often. All of a sudden, you're in a pretty marquee match. Like, obviously, they're trying to do their role, but they're also trying to look good. So maybe they can be in another match on Dynamite pretty soon. And it just looked like, you know, that maybe maybe that their eyes were too big for their stomachs or something. Well, I just think they got exposed. I mean, they... Yeah, I think they work well with teams that can really spot things out and do that, do their style they do. But with FTR, you know, they have a different style and it just didn't, they didn't click. Um, you know, I think Jack Evans was hurt. They talked about him having a broken jaw, I think. So he was out for weeks. So he wasn't on TV. So I don't know if that, that was one of the issues. But, you know, obviously not him being on Dynamite. But I think they were exposed here. I think, I think, um, I think they definitely were. They're, they're kind of like, like what zero and seven or they don't have really the best record. I think they've been what actually they were technically on a win streak. They said on dark, which to me doesn't really matter. None of these records matter anymore, right? From a year a year ago now, like no one cares about these records. Listen, check this out: the heavyweight title match, right? Lance Archer won a battle world to earn it, right? Nothing to do with the top ten rankings. Um, tag team titles. The gimmick now is FTR can pick their opponents mm-hmm. with their brush creation tour. The TNT. Uh, television title is just anyone can challenge it, right? So, like, the rankings don't mean nothing. They should just drop this, that BS. I mean, that was just a a failure, so. Um, But, yeah, just, yeah. TH2, yeah, stick with Dynamite, I guess. I mean, I stick with uh, Dark for now. Mm -hmm. Um, So, the only other dislike I had was the women's match but even even that it wasn't so offensive to me i guess the only thing that i am frustrated with is why swole is the one who's continuously getting this push when week after week after week she proves that she's probably not ready for it both from a wrestling standpoint from a promo standpoint you know they they really tried hard uh to 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 get her uh, in a good position. And I, I, you know, you can give people tons of opportunity and I understand the opportunity that they want to give her. I, I get it. I completely understand why she could be one of the, the folks that they're pushing, but just time and time and time and time again, she ha- hasn't really stepped up to the plate. And so that was more my frustration mm-hmm. than the overall match. But I did enjoy seeing Serena Deeb on TV. Yeah, Serena, she's she's great, and she was the best she can do is get a passable match out of Swole. Uh, Swole was just not that good. She's just doesn't 
doesn't her footwork's bad, her timing's bad, um, her selling's bad. I mean, just it's just I don't want to get it either. I don't get what Tony Khan sees. I think it's a dangerous liability to have her versus Hikaru Shida in a match. I you know Shida's a one that needs some leadership when she's in there as well um and so this could be a tough a tough assignment for both women to to have a good match so i'm not looking forward to that one so but serena deeb i mean i hope now on they kind of build her back up because i think she you know her versus Sheeta could be a really good match mm-hmm. i think she would get the best out of Sheeta of any any opponents that she's worked with in uh AEW. You know, I sort of mentioned this last week with Kushida in that I sort of understand what some of these veteran roles are, which is when somebody beats you, it actually means something because you have credibility. And my comment on Kushida was like, yeah, he's got credibility in New Japan. I want to see him get that credibility Mm -hmm. in NXT. And then when somebody beats him, then it's, you know, it's exactly what you want. And so I sort of see the same thing with Serena here, which is, yeah, she hasn't been on TV. Yeah. She needs to get some wins so that when she does have that match with Sheeta, and they do actually have a match that people are like, wow, this is really good, and then Sheeta wins, then it's meaningful. Yeah, I mean, they got to establish Serena Deeb. Like, you got to remember, like, Serena Deeb, um, what, her moment, she was under a different name, too, like, in WWE for a little small window with CM Punk's crew, right? She, yeah. Looks completely different now. She's in great shape. Um, she's a hell of a worker. So now they got to build her up, and she has to win the next four to six weeks in matches and build up a, a cha- as a challenger to uh, Sheeta to win. Yeah, to, like you said, to have the match when she does officially get a title shot against Sheeta or whoever the women's champion is. You know, it 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 means something. But yeah, yeah. No, she. I hope to God they focus on her. I think uh, I think she deserves it, and she can. She can have good matches with any of those girls. On the, well, good to passable matches with any girl on the roster. Mm-hmm. What? What? So, what else was on your dislike list? My last one was just right off the bat. I see Miro and Kip Sabian <laughs> playing an arcade game at ringside, and I'm just like, I just want to throw up in my mouth. Like, you spent X amount of dollars. I don't know what the contract was. I don't think he's coming in for Will Hobbs money, you know. Mm-hmm. I think he got a pretty good contract, you know. And I'm like, this is what you guys came up with? A gamer? Like, this is, every week it just just drives me insane. Like, what a waste. What a waste on a future main eventer. What a waste on a guy that you can, he can sell a pay-per-view if you build him up correctly. Um, this is what you one of the handcuffs off for Miro. Like, this is what you're, you know, held down. You know, this is what you want to do to be the gamer guy. Like, I get it. You are successful on Twitch and (laughs) good for you. And, you know, and you're happy probably not in WWE now for that because, Mm -hmm. you know, but like, cool. But like, no, I don't, I want to see a beast. I want to see a badass Bulgarian. I want to see you and Moxley be built up to a mm-hmm. major championship match. I don't want to see you as the best man, Miro. I don't understand. With your Gucci, with your Gucci sweatpants. I don't understand why. I, I think, didn't you mention in the interview that Jericho came up with this idea or mentioned? I, uh, I don't gonna, know. I, I wouldn't take credit for that one, though. 
I know. I'm like, gosh, <laughs> like that's what it's like. I'm almost like maybe Jericho sabotaged him. Like, oh yeah, this would be your role. You'd be the best man. We got a cool, a cool spot for you. And I mean, yeah. can you imagine like Chris Jericho probably hasn't played a video game since like the original Nintendo <laughs> or Super Nintendo. But man, this is a guy that came out in a tank at WrestleMania, right? Like, just, just fuck. <laughs> Oh, Garrett, it just, just drives me insane. I don't know how. I don't know how this is this is happening. Someone needs to tell Tony. I know Tony is, a, of course, the, the man right there. He's he's the guy. And I wish someone would be had the balls to say, hey, man, maybe maybe you shouldn't do it this way. Like There has to be that one guy that he trusts that he can bounce ideas. I mean, I, when I booked, I had a guy like that, you know, that like, let, you know, let me run this by you. Is this, is this cool? And, and, you know, they would, I trust them to tell me yes or no. Mm-hmm. And... And like, I hope he has that person. Cause I, and I would think if he did, they'd be like, how do you want to use Miro? He's gonna be a gamer guy with Kip Sabian. Like, I'd be, I'd be like, dude, hell no, bro. Hell no. Right? Like, you can't do that. This is, you're, you're leaving big dollars on the table by mm-hmm. just having to do this. And yeah, yeah. Oh, well, we'll see. <laughs> I, know. But, I, don't, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about it every week because it's going to suck every week and until it doesn't. And then we'll we'll say that it doesn't suck. The only positive about it was like just a quick camera shot that, yeah, you don't need to focus on these two idiots playing video games, right? Mm-hmm. And why is the heck, dude, why the hell is Eddie Kingston at ringside too? Like... Keep the job guys heels at ringside. This this used to piss me off about MGF at ringside and mm-hmm. Eddie Kingston. Like you know he's a, 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 a his whole group's out there messing around. Like that's stupid, just dumb. Well, I want to thank everybody for sticking with us for this packed show. I also want to thank uh, Cal Jack for jumping on and uh, talking to me about the blood sports show really look forward to that as we've said also thanks to justin and carlos for doing their thing they're doing such a good job and uh it's it's funny because justin does uh a, you know he does that intro piece where he just talks for a couple minutes actually I don't, I don't know if he did it on this show but usually he'll just go over the results for you know just for people who just want to hear the results and then He'll bring on Carlos, but I love listening to him do the intro by himself because that is really hard. Like doing something by yourself where you're just talking into a microphone and you're trying to be funny, you're trying to be creative, you don't have anyone to play off of. Like, you know, it's not like he has done tons of audio either. So I kind of dig the little things that he's trying out and he's getting, you know, really comfortable and and it's kind of fun to see him really enjoy what what he's doing in in this role and then obviously carlos is you know carlos has his own youtube channel so he's pretty comfortable behind, uh, yeah. behind the mic so yeah i'm looking forward to doing a show tomorrow night with them it's gonna be fun talking about the all japan carnival tournament all right so good on them and also thanks to john i am double g we'll see you when we see you peace out